And now, this is the DDT Wrestling Podcast with New Age Insider's Chief of Staff, DC Matthews, and the unendorsed Doc Manson. Ladies and gentlemen, Happy New Year, and welcome Happy New Year! And welcome to DDT Wrestling, hopefully the first wrestling podcast you hear in the year 2016. My name is DC Matthews at DC Matthews NAI, and for the first time in a long time, I can touch my partner in crime, Doc Manson, at Doc Manson. How you doing, Doc? I'm not feeling so well about this arrangement, suddenly. He, uh, he was indeed grabbing my shoulder there, and... I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Poop. Oh, now he's stroking my shoulder. That's... that makes it better. So, DC! Why are we here today? Well, we're here today because I, I was bored, and I thought we should talk about Monday Night Raw. Um, I thought the big show in Ryback had an excellent segment. We got to see Heath Slater... That's actually not why we're here, are we? No. Why are we here, Doc Manson? For the first ever annual, I hope, DDT Award Stravaganza! Da, 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 da. That's our theme song. Is it now? It actually sounded a little bit like the Rocky song, but... But then you, you, you went places with it, though. You Thank you. Places. Thank you. Well, it is the DDT Awards, and this is not going to be your average... Awards show. You will not hear I don't us. know. I think it's going to be pretty below average, actually. <laughs> well, that's still not average. Okay. It's still not average. You didn't misspeak. Uh, Hold on while I crinkle this. Yeah, go ahead and open that Reese's Peanut Butter Cup. Oh, it's you. so good. Oh, yeah. There's no wrong way to eat a Reese's, except for possibly on mic during an awards show within the first, say, minute and a half. How do you normally eat a Reese's? Do you just bite I'm it? I'm not going to bite it. That's all I do. Your chair is taller than mine. I feel awkward and uncomfortable sitting here. Admit it, you always feel awkward and uncomfortable. You're not wrong. Mm -hmm. Alright, so it is the award show. We have all sorts of categories. We have pages upon pages of things to talk about. We are going to podcast until our throat bleeds. My goal here is to pod until we can pod no more. Okay. Well, we're at 2 minutes and 12 seconds, and I'm done. So, for Doc Manson... (laughs) Good night, everybody! I kid, I kid. No, we are here for the DDT Awards show, the best of 2015. And now I just want to get it out of the way up front. We're going to get a lot of flack about this. This show is made basically just about WWE and their brands, okay? We're Which talk- includes NXT. It does. So Raw, SmackDown, NXT. Main event. Uh, who watches that? Superstars. Though, really? uh, honestly, honestly. Total but Divas. We've, we've, I've, no, I've looked at the categories. We've sort of left out... You know, most other... Um, promotions? Promotions, that's the word. Well, it's because you don't watch any other promotions. No, I'm co- I'm kind of like Baron Corbin, where I think Ring of Honor and Dragon's Gate might be the same thing. We're going to get to that. That shows up in the DDT Awards. Oh, that's coming up later. Okay. All right. So shall we just get right into it? I think absolutely. So our first category... I think we need to start with this one I'm pointing to right now, because this will give you the tone and tenor of what the DDT Awards are all about. And so the first category that I would like to bring up is the Triple H Ponytail Memorial Award for Best Hair. I just want to go out and say, I really thought that those golden locks of Triple H were the bar for wrestlers. If you did not have a head of hair comparable to that, you know, 
blustering Maine. Uh, it didn't matter who you were, you were never going to make it. And I really do think it was a great tragedy that day that Trips came out, and he had all that hair just gone. The luscious locks were missing. Indeed they are. So, in that time since then, some people have stepped up their game, and I think we really need to just sort of recognize these individuals. So, if you got... I think I'm just going to read through the nominees, and then we can sort of talk about this. So, the way the awards are going to go, folks, is that we are going to have a discussion... And we are going to pick a winner for the category, as well as two runners-up. Bringing us to a grand total of three. Correct. So, I don't think we necessarily have to order the runners-up. I think they're just, you nope, know... No, I think that's fine. Alright. So, so, are you going to read all of them, and then we'll go back and forth? Or do you want to bring up one, I'll bring up one, and we Well, can... I think I'm just going to read them to start. Sure. And then we can talk about them. And the, one other thing I want to point out is, we have a list here, we did some prep, but if there's anybody who you think of that's not on the list... Feel free to just throw it in, because I think last-minute considerations are still valid. Sure. All okay. right? So, for our first category here at the DDT Awards, hashtag DDT Awards on Twitter. Best hair. Yes, indeed. Nominees are... Drumroll, please. Seamus. Xavier Woods. Kane. Tyler Breeze. Enzo Amore. And Colin Cassidy? Eva Marie, Ty Dillinger, and Roman Reigns. Question. Yes. Are we referring to solely the hair atop their head? Does facial hair count in this category? For if it does, I do now have other people I should add to this list. Are we counting facial hair? I hadn't considered that before. Um, I think we're going to go purely with head of hair. Okay. I think purely head of hair in this category. That's just fine. We could add another one later, or people can send their own things to us if they'd wish. That's just fine. All right. So, you've heard the nominees for best hair. I'm honestly scrolling through the WWE Superstars page to see if anyone else jumps out at me, but I think we covered the major I think we I, I, Honestly, I think we need to sort of just jump in here. Go. Pick one. Um, the first one on the list, I'm just going to go here. Uh, let's talk about Sheamus for a little bit. Look at that Look at that hair. Look at that that red streak straight back from the center of his head. Just voomp. Come on. It takes some cojones to rock that thing, that mohawk. Now, Seamus works for me in this category on a couple of different levels. The first of which is it isn't just when the hair is spiked in the mohawk. No. When he came out a few weeks ago... And in the suit, doing that random promo, it wasn't spiked, it was slicked back, and that still looked interesting. Sometimes he, like, does this thing where he kind of, like, slicks it back, but, like, parts it over to the side. Have you seen that one? I have. That one, I I mean, he has multiple looks. And quite frankly, I think, you know, in terms of uniqueness, um, there's very few people who approach him. I think one person possibly approaches Seamus, it's on our list of nominees, probably, I'm only making the correlation here because of the color, uh, Eva Marie also has that sort of lustrous red hair. And I'm glad you brought her up because the two of them have a, a similarity, I think, that is worth mentioning that I would consider in this category. And that is that their hair might be directly responsible for their success. You know, if Eva Marie was a blonde, if Eva Marie was a brunette, I don't think she would be as popular, at least with corporate, as she is. And I think Seamus's push at the latter end of 2015 is directly because of the fact that he went into that went into his gimmick facial hair and 
cranial hair with such gusto. Now, I don't know if you know this. I don't know if you know this, uh, but Eva Marie's hair is not her natural color. I assumed so. I don't think anyone's hair is that natural color. Fair enough. But then again, Becky Lynch's hair, I don't believe, is that natural color. No, I'm pretty sure. No, she is not on this list with her orange. She is not. I don't know. I just didn't really feel like she stood out in the same way. Well, we're going to talk about why Becky Lynch doesn't stand out in a number of ways, I think, as we get through this category. Uh, Somebody I would like to bring up whose hair definitely stands out would be one Mr. Xavier Woods. Xavier Woods, the thing that I like about his hair is all the references that he makes through it. His hair changes. It's not one look. You know, he brought in the Gaston look. I think, the you know, if we were going for a single hair moment in 2015, his Rufio look was Rufio out was fantastic. But that's the thing. It's a special event with him, and he also realized that the fans were, you know, sort of latching on to it, and so when they were at that pay-per-view in Boston, he purposefully didn't do it. Yes. So I'm sort of kind of feeling like... He's sort of written himself almost out of the category, despite oh, the fact that right, brightest consistent. moment, right, yes, brightest moment perhaps. But I just don't know if he hangs I, with these people who have hair that's this stellar all the time. I'd like to give an honorable mention here to Kofi Kingston. He's been outshined by Xavier Woods on a number of different levels. But Xavier, I mean, Kofi Kingston has done some interesting things with his hair. He did a unicorn thing with his hair. He's done the pigtails or whatever it is, you know. He's made some he's made some efforts here. I wouldn't put him as a runner up, but yeah, I think you're right. I think we can take Xavier Woods you think he's kind off of the list. out of this category. Love his hair, but it's not done on a consistent basis that we see from Seamus or other people. Actually there's one more thing I want to bring up about Seamus. Um while I do respect the Hawk, I have to question his motivations. And you have to tell me whether or not you think this you know, disqualifies him from the category. I think the only reason why he has that mohawk is because he's playing uh, Rocksteady or Bebop, I forget which one, in the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2 uh, movie. But I'm fairly sure that when when they had the promo picture, I'm going to look it up right now, when they had his promo picture for that movie... I don't think I think he, he had the hawk. the hawk. I think he does. I think it's off to the side, but I think he I think he made this hair. See, he shaved the sides. In that promo picture, his, his that's yes. the hawk. They've but, styled it, but it's the hawk. It's the same cut. He cut his hair this way because of the movie. He just he's just styling it upwards now in the hawk. Are, are you are you disqualifying him for that because his intentions were not pure? Uh, I don't know. He's kept it though. He's rocked it. He's been back for that filming that film for quite some time when he's kept it so I don't know I think I think he hangs I think, I, 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 think, think he do, I think he does as well but if we're talking about part time hair let's talk about Kane because Kane's on this in this category I think for a number of different reasons one I think is because since the demon Kane is back he now has hair again obviously it's not his real hair but I think you put him on this list for a different reason indeed I did you? sir I put Kane on this list because he has hair. For the first time, I think, ever, Corporate Kane this year was allowed to grow a full head of hair. Not this, just the back, you know, front shaved, backs not right. shaved. I mean, this is like a monumental moment for the Kane character. Kane's been around this company for how long? When was his debut? 97, 98, I Okay, so guess. it's been almost 20 years, and he's only just now finally been allowed to grow some hair. And I didn't know it, man, but that man rocks a widow's peak. <laughs> he rocks that thing. He owns it. He looks good. And honestly, uh, you know, in terms of the historic 
significance. Kane, Kane is at the top of my lips, uh, list here. He's at the top okay. of my list. Now, before we move on, you had said this earlier. We have to have a consensus here, correct? I think so. We can't just... You can't have your top three and I have to have my no, top we, three. No, I think we got to have to... be a top consensus. three. Exactly. So I think we're going to have to make, you know, some compromises. Okay. We're going to have to let each other know where we stand. We're going to have to probably, you know, make some hard eliminations. Well, then, in, in the spirit of that, let me bring up someone that I nominated that I am happy to take off the list right away if you agree with that. Okay. I nominated Tyler Breeze because I think Tyler Breeze... When, you know, has the hair styled when he comes out, but then the hair comes down during the match. He looks like Prince Adam of Eternia. You know, <laughs> I think that's that is a good look for him. But having said that, his hair is not a standout feature in any way, much as it would be for Sheamus or even Marie. So, by all means, please cross that one. Yeah, off Tyler the list. Breeze comes off this list now. Someone who, however, that I don't think we can take off this list though. Is Enzo Amore? Uh, well, who put Con Cassidy? I here? put Con Cassidy because he has long, flowing locks. I mean, in, in terms of like a direct comparison to Triple H, that's exactly why I put him on the mm, list. Okay, because because he has very close to Triple H hair. We can take him off the list, but I wanted to just mention. No, I him. think that's a good point. But I mean, when you put him side by side with Enzo Amore. Yes. Have you seen those leopard spots that he's been rocking? I would like to know how long it takes to get hair to look quite like that. I mean, how long has his career been? Because I think it's not all long. been leading up to this point. <laughs> not long, not long. That's how long I, it takes I do to get think, hair. I do think he needs to be on this list. Um, I don't remember if I wrote down Ty Dillinger or you did. I think we can take him off because I can't even tell you right now what his hair looks like. He's got some funny lines through his eyebrows. Oh, that's it. That's but all again, I... that's not facial hair. No, it's Or not. that is facial hair. Yeah. Which brings us to Roman Reigns. Indeed. Now, Roman Reigns does not have... Tall, dark, and handsome. Standout hair in any other way except that it's long and it's wet, which we'll get to later. Oh, that's a different category altogether. But he does have some pretty insane hair that the ladies of the neighborhood tend to respond to, and probably some of the men. Mm-hmm. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've narrowed it down now to five people, and I know we only want to go to three. So we've got five people now. I don't think Roman Reigns hangs on this list. I don't think he does either. I just wanted to make sure I mentioned him so that people he's, yeah he's got some locks, but you know when we're talking about this list, which is now Sheamus, Kane, Enzo Amore, and Eva Marie, uh, mm-hmm. Roman Reigns doesn't hang. I also think. I wanted to include a diva, and I'm glad we did. However, besides the color, mm-hmm. there is nothing about Eva Marie's hair. I mean, I doubt out. that it's even all hers. I mean, there's probably extensions, you know, a weave in the works there somewhere. I have no idea how that works. I don't really either. I'm just guessing. So if someone in the neighborhood, uh, a, a, a lady of the neighborhood, again, or a guy, maybe you know it. If you'd like to explain to us how hair extensions work, I would be very interested. But I think we can take her off the list. Eva Marie, I think so, too. So we're down to three. We do have our three. But we need a winner. We need a winner. Seamus, Kane, or Enzo Amore? I mean, Enzo has a look. I mean, Seamus and Enzo both have looks. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you want to reward, you know, one of those guys, like if I'm trying to make a comparison between those two... I don't know which way to go. Like, I could make an argument for either one. Shame. I mean, Seamus. Uh, no, Enzo. Enzo just looks like a peacock. You know what I mean? His hair is there. He's out there, and you can't not 
look at it. It's bright. Yes. It's colors. It's it's an interesting cut. There's like designs. Mm-hmm. Like it's intricate in a way that Seamus's hair is not. Yes. However, Seamus's hair is the thing you look at besides his pasty white skin. Enzo's got the weird outfits. He's got the weird walk. You know, the hair is just one piece of the Enzo Amore puzzle. Whereas Seamus's right. hair is it stands on its own, if you will. That's, it, a, that's a mohawk joke. Have Stan, you ever had a stands, mohawk? Stands on its own. <laughs> um, I mean, in the shower every morning when I put shampoo in there. So I, know. I, I did it in the tub. Oh, there you go. There you go. But you've never rocked the look just on your own. No, I think I'm a, I'm a little. Uh, so uh, I would I would personally tend to give the edge over to Seamus over Enzo. However, you did mention. Kane's hair is a once in 20 years kind of thing. It really is. Now, I don't know when he would, you know, I, I assume his hair was his original hair way back in the, you know, early, late 90s when he first made his debut. I don't think so. I think even that was just attached to the mask. But when he was the fake Diesel, he had hair similar oh, sure, in length. Oh, sure, 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 sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but since he's been Kane. So, so... I guess what we're asking ourselves is here is for the the spirit of the question, are we going for hair in terms of standout actual hairstyle, or is this a category, a more philosophical category that we would award to Kane because his hair is so historic? Well, the one thing I'm going to say about that is I think the history trumps, but also, if he didn't have that widow's peak... I don't know if I'd be as enamored with the hair as I am. So there actually is a component of style to uh, Kane's hair. I am very okay with giving this award to Kane and having Seamus and Enzo being two very strong runners. In the interest of getting to the next category, I'm going to bold Kane as our winner. Our winner of the best hair, the Triple H Ponytail Memorial Award, goes to Kane. Our runners up, Seamus. And Enzo Amore. I don't know why you're in such a hurry. We're only 18 minutes in, and we've gotten through one of our possibly 15 to 20 categories. (laughs) And I suspect that some of these other categories are going to require a bit more back and forth. Well, you added one where we have to rank the actual top 10 wrestlers and come to an agreement. So, yeah, I think we're going to be here quite a while. (laughs) I can't wait to get to that one. All right. We're going to try. We have some positive categories, and we have some categories that are a little more... Uh, on the negative side of negative things. Negative Nancy. So we're going to try to go back and forth a little bit. So which one of these do you want to do next? Uh, I think we should go with... Okay. The next category is the... Uh, is the <laughs> Check Yourself Before You Wiggity Whack Wreck Yourself Award. And that goes for the worst trend in professional wrestling currently. So let's take these off the list because that's not trends. Okay. So... Would you like me to read the nominees, or would you like to read the nominees? Uh, I'll read the nominees. Go ahead. The nominees are... The Internet Wrestling Community's Constant Opinions on Ratings. Commercials for the WWE Network while watching the WWE Network. Worst trend is the main event of Raw occurring during halftime of Monday Night Football. Or repeating matches over and over. How many times can the Wyatts beat ECW? And finally, last nominee, fans chanting for people not in the segment, or in the company, for that matter. 
All right. So these are more overall trends. They're not trends uh, based on specific wrestlers. That'll probably come later, a separate category. Absolutely. But these the- are just things that are like surrounding the product mm-hmm. that we're kind of tired of hearing about and seeing on television. Yep. So, reading about on Twitter. So the first one on here is the one that probably you and I are the most sick of. I don't know if that necessarily makes it the winner, but you and I have spent a vast majority of our time here on DDT Wrestling. Our email address, by the way, is ddtwrestling at gmail.com. Feel free to email us and let us know your thoughts on the winners and potentially losers of these categories. But most of the time, we have at least once per show, we talk about the obsession with the cable ratings of Monday Night Raw and how the ratings are down and, oh my God, this company's never been worse in its entire life. And you and I personally think people are blowing that way out of proportion. Yeah, I mean, the company is more profitable now than it has been in the last five years. Like... Reaching its peak in 2008, we're approaching peaking again next year, possibly. So, I don't think, as we've said many times, that the ratings matter quite as much as everybody else says it does, and I'm sick of hearing about it. I would agree. Now, again, I don't know if everyone shares that opinion, and I think... this we have to consider not just what Doc Manson and DC Matthews feel about Oh, I disagree. These are the DDT awards. I think it only matters what we think. Okay. All right. I mean, I think, if you seriously don't think so, then no. I I think I think for some of these, you know, for example, I don't know. I'm skipping around a little bit. I don't know that a lot of people care that the quote unquote main event match of Raw is taking place during halftime of the Monday Night Football games. I get the idea. You want to try to bring in some fans over from football. I just personally feel like when the best match of the night happens before 10 o'clock, why am I watching from 10 to 11? It's a bad trend for sure, but when I look at the rest of the list, it doesn't infuriate me like some of these other ones do. Well, then name another one that infuriates you. Okay, well, I for one cannot stand watching commercials for the WWE Network while I am watching the WWE Network. Now, does that happen um, only on pay-per-view pre-shows, or does that happen other times as well? I'm not sure. I I almost only watch the network for pay-per-views. Okay. So, I'm not sure, but I see it all the time when I do watch the network. And maybe that's because they offer a free month, right? So maybe They do. Maybe they're trying to appeal to the people who haven't actually converted to paying customers. Mm-hmm. Well, and also the pre-show is available on YouTube, which oh, is which is, is good because a lot of the times the feed isn't working for the pay-per-view pre-show. They're working the kinks out. So you have to go to the YouTube in order to I watch see. it clearly. So even though I do hate this, I guess there are maybe some good reasons now, I, why they do this. I think commercials in professional wrestling is a separate... You know, I'm not necessarily saying it, it belongs on this list, but when you have a match that actually needs two commercial breaks, how am I supposed to stay invested in that match when it's being interrupted so frequently? Mm. You know, That's a problem that I have. Again, I don't know if it belongs on this list. You and I obviously have a, a serious problem with people's concern with cable ratings. And that deserves to stay on this list. Of those two that we just talked about, the main event of Raw being during halftime... That doesn't hang. No, so we can cross that off. Um, I think the commercials, you know, is curious. I think there might be a reason for it, but it's vexing. 
yeah, those people who have paid so. for WWE Network. You know, I've been paying since the network started. Right, so at the moment, I, I think the commercials and the ratings are strong contenders. So let's okay. talk about the other two a little more. All right. So this one I brought up, which is the repeating matches over and over and over again. And I think I wrote about this on a column on NewAgeInsiders.com uh, earlier last week or the week before, talking about how on last week's Monday Night Raw, the Slammy edition, I'm pretty sure most of the matches were rematches. You know, we saw Becky Lynch beat Brie Bella again. We saw Alberto Dorio beat Jack Swagger again. Adding Kane to the ECW thing, or adding Ryback to the ECW thing, you're not telling me any new stories. So we're watching the same matches over and over. And you've been kind of complaining for a while also that, like, the Raw after a pay-per-view is almost entirely rematches, right? From the night before? Uh, yeah, I think so. In many cases, it is. We were there was a time I don't remember. I I don't remember if it was Survivor Series or maybe it was Hell in a Cell. One of the pay per views of the last few months was mostly rematches from the last few months. I think that's a big problem, but that might be my own personal opinion. Yeah, I mean, I don't get me wrong though. Like again, you need to repeat matches to build a feud to some degree. Ideally, you're changing things up. You're Advancing the story, you're adding new wrinkles to but, the matches themselves. But I, I, I go back to the Wyatts in ECW. They've they've wrestled now five, six, seven times. Please tell me the new wrinkle that was added, besides you know Kane, Ryback. They're those wrinkly. Are, those are <laughs> they are for sure wrinkly. But those are old wrinkles. The Wyatts beat everybody that they've already beaten in twenty. You know Bray Wyatt beat Ryback at one point. Bray Wyatt has you know abducted Kane at one point. Yeah. That's not a new story. That's rehashing old stories. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which brings that's us to our bad. last one. And this last one, I think, definitely needs to stay on the list. You do. And that is the fans chanting randomly. It, is, it isn't even for people not in the match or not even in the company. It is just sometimes f- wrestling fans, when en masse, tend to chant for their own entertainment rather than as part of the show. I have a mixed feelings on that. Okay, tell me about that. So, I do think it's disrespectful to the performers in the ring, and certainly I have witnessed some wrestling crowds that chant things that are wholly inappropriate. Um, I'm thinking of one particular instance that I don't really want to talk about on the air. But, beyond that, um... You know, as long as it's in good fun, if the crowd wants to do a JBL chant, if the crowd's having fun, I don't really see a huge problem. But as a wrestling fan sitting at home, which is where I do all of my wrestling watching sitting at home, a crowd chanting randomly takes me out of the match because now I'm trying to figure out what the crowd's doing and I'm not focusing on the wrestling. I mean, so that's they are a detra- valid point. I feel that they are detracting from the product. You know, I, sometimes are, they're chanting during matches that I don't want to pay attention to, anyways. Well, and, and, and then I'm thankful. For well, and and people got all up in arms recently because Sasha Banks wrestled Becky Lynch, possibly even this Monday in Brooklyn, and the crowd started chanting "boring," and people were freaking out about it. It was a boring match. That was my point. It was not the bet. They were obviously stalling for time. Correct. And so I think a boring chant is actually deserving there, as opposed to when you're watching, you know, Alicia Fox wrestle 
no, know, Naomi and the crowd so, chanting. For so some... first they're chanting boring, and yeah, maybe that's appropriate given the match. Let's let's say hypothetically it is appropriate. Then if the crowd decides to divert their attention somewhere else, they were just chanting boring, and now they're going to start chanting for JBL because they're just again sort of expressing that they're bored with the match, and they'd rather chant for an announcer than what they're seeing in the ring. That doesn't take me out of the match. That that again sort of just. Bring me more into the moment. I'm feeling more like I'm there with them, you know, because the thing I'm watching in the ring is not holding my attention either. I no, think but, can... but aren't there matches where it is holding your attention, and all of a sudden the crowd's chanting? Yeah, it does. Know. It does happen. It if does Charlotte happen. and Paige are having a good back and forth match, and the crowd is chanting, "We want Sasha. We want Sasha." That doesn't bother me. That really doesn't. Okay. And that I mean, but, in that but particular you, instance, I'm fairly certain you wrote this down. So why did you write it down if it doesn't bother you? Um. Well, I wrote it down because of things like on Monday Night Raw with the exchange between Roman Reigns and Vince McMahon and people are just chanting for Daniel Bryan and CM Punk. Like, CM Punk's not coming back, guys. Sorry. Get over it. I don't need to hear that anymore. So That's you, not constructive in any way. So are you saying that we need to, to redefine our our nominee here? Because fans chanting for people not in the segment or not in the company, that can be two different things. Are, are, are we, you know, are we saying fans chanting unrealistically? You know, chanting for CM Punk or no? I don't know if we need to because. Or do you want to get rid of this altogether? Well, that's what I'm thinking because we've got the ratings, we've got the commercials on the network, and then we've got repeating matches. Those are all pretty bad. Okay, I all mean, right. then let's but get... you did. But I think you started this discussion by saying you thought this one had to stay on the list. I personally, but this is why this is a compromise and a mutual, this is yeah. something we have to agree on together. I personally have a problem with it, but if you don't, yeah. and we ha- we both have problems with the other things, then let's take it off the list, and this will just be my own personal bugaboo that I need to work through in my own good time. The only other thing is, because, again, I can justify, you know, commercials for the WWE Network while watching WWE Network, I can justify why some of that is happening if it's on the pre-show. You know, if there is good justification. If they're advertising it on the pay-per-view, that's a little harder to... I believe they are doing it during the pay-per-view as well. Okay. But even, like I said, they could be trying to convert people on a free month. Mm-hmm. So that kind of makes sense to me. And part of me wonders, I know you you and I said we wanted a winner and two runners-up. We are such big proponents of this anti-ratings thing that we could just say that is the check yourself before you wickety-whack-wreck-yourself trend of the year and has no runner-ups. Because, honestly, none of these other things are things that, you know... We, you made an argument for why matches should be repeated from time to time. We've made arguments no, but for the, all the I, But you're ones. right, though. We're talking about two different things. Sometimes matches have to be repeated for the purpose of a feud. When we're talking about something like the, the Wyatt family and the ECW faction going on and on and on, yeah, they gave us some great matches, don't get me wrong, but it's not going anywhere anymore. That mm-hmm. That's a bad trend. Okay. Um, so I... I think there are runner-ups and, I, and, and I'll go back to, we watched Big Show and Ryback wrestle again on Monday night. Yeah. Well, you might have watched it. I certainly didn't. But was there a reason for that match to happen at all besides the fact that Ryback was the last man standing when Big Show came out and declared himself the number one entrant to the Royal Rumble? Which apparently now he's not. But Right, he misspoke apparently. But yeah, um... Okay, so ratings is a lock for the list. Yes. I, repeating, repeating matches, matches is, is a lock for the list. So now we're, we're, we're to commercials for WWE Network while watching WWE Network, or fans chanting for people not in the segment 
or in the company for that matter. That's what we're and obviously that one's not going to win, but that's we're we're basically trying to decide what the third runner up yeah, is going to be. I guess be, so. Or the second runner up rather. Yeah. So what do you think's worse, commercials or fans chanting inappropriately? I personally, I'm going to go with fans chanting, but that is just again, that is my personal problem with it. I don't know if that's right. This is where bias comes in. I'm biased against that because I think it's dumb. Yeah. It's, it's actively hurting the product. The commercials are, you could argue, the company's attempt to help their product. So even if I find that annoying a little bit. All right, I think I'm... Okay, let's take commercials off the All list. All right. Let's take it off the list. So, and I think we can move on since we're... We're going 15 minutes per category. We will literally be here till February, folks. Uh, I think the opinions about cable ratings are our winner. Okay. Without question. And our two runner-ups are repeating matches and fans chanting. Would you agree with that? Or Yeah, absolutely. All right. Absolutely. So that's the worst trend. In our minds, in the minds of DDT wrestling. Hey, these are the DDT awards, man. It's all in our minds. You want minds. your own awards? Do it. Absolutely. Go that's to com. All right. It's Friday. It's Fan Friday, although you probably won't hear this till Saturday. All right, let's move on. What do we got next? All right, so I would like to talk about the newcomer with the most potential this year. Okay. Otherwise known as? Best debut. Now, I do want to bring this up. I know we talked about this before we went on the air, and I think it's worth it. It's a discussion worth having here. You... Wrote down a list of people, great choices. But my question is do we have to consider people who are making their WWE product, including NXT debut, for the very first time? Or does Kevin Owens' debut on Raw answering John Cena's open challenge, does that qualify for this category? Or does it have to be the person we've seen for the very first time? Since this is the DDT Awards, does it have to be the person you and I have seen? For the very first time. Right. Uh, I think we're going to go with this is their first appearance. This is their debut in WWE, period. Okay. Because I know you made a good point earlier, though, very salient, that, yeah, people maybe aren't watching NXT when Sami Zayn got his big break on the main roster. That could have been a debut for them. Kevin Owens, same deal. Tyler Breeze, you know, all these guys did make a good splash on the main Mm -hmm. roster. Well, maybe not Tyler Breeze. But, (laughs) but... Having been more invested into the WWE product, we are members of the WWE Network. We've seen these people before, so I think we need to focus here on, again, fresh, new debuts for WWE. I I will go with that because I think some of these debuts that I would be talking about in terms of WWE guys, I think we can bring up in another category. So the nominees for Best Debut in the WWE product in 2015 are Asuka. Apollo Crews, Elias Sampson, Samoa Joe, Nia Jax, Dana Brooke, and the only one that made a debut on the main roster, Braun Strowman. And I think that in and of itself is a good reason for Braun Strowman to be on this list because this is the first time in a very, very long time that a wrestler made their in-ring debut in WWE and not in NXT. When that guy showed up that first time, the Black Sheep, Braun Strowman, I said, who the hell is that guy? 
You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That was a moment. Regardless of whether you like what he's done since then, if you like his technical ability or not, he is an impressive... Physical specimen. Physical specimen. I agree. And the fact that you were just looking at this guy and you are like, who is that? Uh, that was a moment. And, yeah, I mean, in terms of best debuts, I think that one... Mm-hmm. It maybe it might rank. I don't know. I, I think you're it's be strong, right. and I think. But there's part, a lot of strong ones on this. Well, list. and I. But I think again, we're going with. Are we talking about the single moment? You know, Braun Strowman had a moment when he made a debut, and kind of the whole world stopped to look at it. I don't know for a lot of these other people if I can tell you the exact moment they made their debut. Mm. You know, uh, Asuka. Asuka's obviously, if you've listened to this podcast at all, you know that Asuka's going to make her way onto this list probably on a number of different occasions. However, I can't remember when she made her debut. She made her debut on a weekly NXT. She came out with William Regal uh, to announce her signing, and then Emma and Dana Brooke came out and crashed it. And that went immediately into the match with, with Dana, Dana at TakeOver. But are we considering the match as well? Like, are we I, counting... th- I think we're talking about... It's, I don't think it has to be just a moment. Okay. If we, if, we, if, we, if, we want, if we want to, you know, weight Braun Strowman's performance in this category because his moment was so strong... I think that's I fair. think that's acceptable. Okay. But I don't think it has to be just that. In that case, Asuka's, again, is probably going to make her way onto this list because... That first match with Dana Brooke, which I'm assuming was her first match, yeah, was it, a mind blowing experience. I had, I had no idea who Oscar was. Yeah, I had never seen her before. Uh, Kana, I guess, and yep. the other. I I never seen an Oscar match, but I saw her, and she was a whirling dervish in that match, and she 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 had she she had a good match with Dana Brooke. Mm-hmm. I. It was, I don't know, that whole match was amazing. I think she definitely needs to stay on this list. Um, One thing I will say about NXT is they've had a lot of really strong video packages leading up to people's debuts. There's a couple of people on this list, uh, Elias Sampson specifically, and Nia Jax, who I think those video packages they put together leading up to their debuts maybe were more memorable than anything those people have actually done themselves. Well, the Elias Sampson and Bull Dempsey match from last week's NXT, or two weeks ago's NXT, was not memorable. No. Besides the fact that he did a fairly decent top rope elbow drop. He did. And he walked out with the guitar over his shoulder. Like, he has a good look, but... For that... a moment, I said, oh my god, it's Damian Sandow! <laughs> he Only for a moment. Remarkably like Damian Sandow. But, um... Yeah, I, but those videos were good. And the I videos would say were the good. Same, the same but then thing he had that, that match, though. Yes, and I kind of just felt let down by his debut, you know, as opposed to Nia Jax, who her first match showed that she was a dominant force in women's wrestling. It wasn't the best match, of course, but it was a squash, which you would expect from a monster heel in the way that Nia Jax is being presented. So, real quick, sure, Elias Sampson comes off, off the list. list. Okay. Now, Nia Jax, you're right. She had a good build. She came and established her character very strongly. My concern with her is that she's very green in the ring. Mm -hmm. I don't think she's the best talker. She has a great look, but she's different, and she has established that character. But I just don't know whether or not it... But again, and I don't want to debate Minutia here, but 
are we considering their entire run up to this point in terms of their best debut? Because, you know, there's either the moment of their debut, their moment of their debut with their first match, or, you know, has Nia Jax made a huge impression in her entire career in NXT? No. Well, kind of. She made her debut, she had some squash matches, and she went into a match with the champion, the women's champion. I mean, she's had a pretty storied, albeit short, career so far. Yes, but it looks like, you know, if you if you were going to look at Nia Jax and evaluate her 2016, the, it looks to me that the first thing she's going to do is get beat down by Asuka. Mm. I'm not sensing a huge amount of potential when that's your immediate future, is to probably lose another big match to Asuka. As opposed to Apollo Crews, again... Don't remember exactly when he made his debut, but his matches, just the matches, have been excellent. He did lose to Baron Corbin, but he has been excellent in ring this whole time. The thing that I liked about Apollo Crews thus far is the speed with which he rocketed to the main event of NXT. And now maybe that's partly because we know for part of this year there was a you know a lack of depth mm-hmm. in that roster. Um, so maybe that's sort of what afforded him that opportunity. But he took the ball and he ran with it. I thought those were excellent matches. Yep. And he helped reestablish uh, the main sort he of did. the main event of NXT. He did. He did. Um, I have a name I'd like to add to this list, okay. if I may. His name is Chad Gable, who I just looked up made his television debut January eighth, two thousand fifteen. Wait. Wasn't he running promos for a long time before that, though? I don't believe so. At least it doesn't say that on... Well, what does it say His he did on January 8th? He lost to Tyler Breeze. And then starting in May, he began the storyline with Jason Jordan. Clark Gable? Chad Gable, rather? Clark Gable would be an actor? <laughs> so is Chad. That's not, that's not I, why I would here. say Chad Gable needs to be a, a last-minute addition to this okay. list because, and again... Jordan and Gable are going to show up a lot in this conversation. What about Jordan? When did he start? Jordan had his team with Ty Dillinger. He's been wrestling for them for a long time. Okay. Okay. um, So we're spinning our wheels here a little bit. Let's. uh, I would take Dana Brooke off the list right away because I don't know what in the world Dana Brooke has done. But again, I put her on the list because she debuted in 2015. Did she? Yeah. Okay. But um, yeah. Take her off the list. That's I. I can't. I have no words to defend her yeah. remaining on. Um, the list Samoa of Joe had a good <sighs> debut. He's you know. But again, you and I have both seen Samoa Joe before this. We have. If we're getting technical, well, technically. But again, I was considering this debut in WWE. Okay. And you know when he came in and he ran off Kevin Owens. Um, that was pretty cool. It was a great moment. Okay. I like. I think that in terms of. Best moment? Yep. That might be it in terms of the debut this debut this year. Asuka, she wowed me after the fact when I first saw her in that match. Yes. But the actual debut was a kind of a, okay, whatever. Yeah. Um, well, that's the problem whenever your first debut is walking out with William Regal. Like, it's right. a big deal when we've never heard of you. But that said, Samoa Joe, mm-hmm. I don't think it's done very much. No. Since debuting. But again, you know, and, and I, we should move on here. It comes down to how we're going to define this. You know, who had a best 2015 is different from who made a big their biggest impact 
Let's talk about impact then. For a then, let's here. take Chad Gable off the list. Okay, I think he's worth mentioning, but he yeah. lost Honorable to Tyler Breeze sure. in January and didn't show back up again till May. Okay. So he's off the list. Um, I think Braun Strowman definitely deserves to stay. I love Asuka, and she's going to show up in other places, but coming to the ring in a suit and basically doing what Kenta did all over again, or Hideo Itami, or whatever. But if you, you want to talk him, about that first moment when you watched her wrestle, yes, Dana I agree. Brooke, I, I'm considering that part of the debut, and I felt just as excited about that as I did for Braun Strowman okay. or Samoa Joe. Like, I can't think of. Apollo so, Crews had a strong year. But I can't think of a single then moment he's off, then he's off the with list. Apollo Crews that made me feel, oh my god! So now we're down to four: Strowman, Oscar, Samoa Joe, Nia Jax. And Nia, again, Nia Jax, I don't think has that moment. I give credit to those promo packages; those vignettes were good. They were. But then she came out and she squashed somebody we've never heard of. Right. Oscar had a great first match with a person we've heard of. Braun Strowman had a wow moment on WWE. Samoa Joe took the hottest wrestler in NXT and scared him off. So does that mean we're taking Nia Jax off the list? I think that does. I think so. I think that's All a stronger right. list without her. So, Braun Strowman, Asuka, Samoa Joe. Those are the three. Who do you give as your winner for debut of the year? I mean, you know, personally, I think I give it to Asuka. Okay. But I could see arguments for both Braun Strowman and Samoa Joe. I would say Braun Strowman solely because he made his debut and he shocked the world. He was, and the other thing is, he was not just a. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't know of anywhere else that Braun Strowman has no, appeared. He's a. He's a. Kana I, was you know a known quantity. Samoa, Samoa Joe, Joe was a no, known quantity. This was literally a. Who in the world? Unless you saw pictures of him training at the performance center, right? It was, who in the world is that guy? The only time you saw him, and maybe this goes against him, he was a rosebud. Was he? He was a big guy in like a gladiator outfit. Oh, that was him? Rosebud. I'm pretty sure that was him. Huh. Let me look it up really quick, but I'm pretty sure... I don't think that it harms him in this category. No, because again, wasn't the character. He, he made his debut, and I was like, who is that? Yeah, he was a strong man for a while, and... Da, 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 wow. da, da, da. Okay. Uh, well, it doesn't say he was with Adam Rose, so maybe that was a different guy. I could be wrong, but I would vote for Braun Strowman, and I would keep Oscar and Samoa Joe as runners up because that moment was good. Oh, and he's circling it. He's going for it. Oh. All right. Well, my circle sort of included both Braun Strowman and Oscar, so I guess they're co-winners. No, no, no. So the best debut of 2015 in WWE goes to Braun Strowman. Runners up, Oscar Samoa, Samoa Joe. Joe. Perfect. All right. We're, we're keeping pretty good with a 15-minute-per-award thing, which All right, scares so me because <laughs> the next one has way more nominees. All right, it does, sir. The next one, again, a DDT Wrestling Classic. We are looking for the biggest, blackest holes of charisma. Yeah, these are people whom, every time they are handed a microphone, every time you see them and you know that they're going to talk, you just say, What? No. No, don't do that. Don't. Don't. And I think it goes beyond the microphone. Okay, I was going to say, because some of these, let's read the nominees, because some of the people on this list I think we can take Some people just have, like, anti-physical charisma as well. And I think we can take some of these people off the list right away. But go ahead. Do you want me to read? Yeah, go Uh, ahead. I'll read the nominees. Go for it. And some of them are pairs of people, but you'll understand why. The first nominee, Blake and Murphy. Dash and Dawson. The Usos. Finn Balor, Nikki Bella, Eva Marie, Ryback, Ascension, 
Baron Corbin, Alberto Del Rio, and Jack Swagger. So that's a lot of people to talk about. So uh, let's talk about Baron Corbin because we put him on the list and it's written down right up until the moment during his London match with Apollo Crews that he leaned over the ropes and told Apollo Crews to go back to Ring of Honor. That was the single greatest thing that Baron Corbin has ever done in his life. And for all I know, he has children. (laughs) But in his his life, that's the greatest thing he's ever done. Uh, So I think we could take him off the list right away. Baron Corbin comes off the list, yeah. That moment was there. Um... I'm going to make the Eva Marie argument. I don't think she is a black hole of charisma, or if she is, I think it's kind of the point. I think the- I don't think that's an excuse. I think they're. I do think they're leaning into it. I think her character is becoming that she is a black hole of charisma. But they're pushing her anyways. Doesn't that almost make it worse? I personally because that means think I so. have to watch her. Because well, but you don't. You haven't seen her on TV since. But that thank, that thank, NXT, thank the heavens that NXT episode where she was kind of you know she was going to flirt with William Regal and then she came. and then she did those series of promos where she was traveling around the world and she yes. was in Paris and don't get me wrong like I understand what they were trying to do but I thought her delivery could not have been worse. But that's the point. No, I don't think it is. I don't. I don't I, think. I don't. I don't think they're. I don't think they're trying to really teach her how to cut a really emotional. I don't think they promo. can teach her. I think she's incapable because any sort of lessons that you try to impart upon her falls into her black hole of charisma. It can't escape. There's no positivity that can possibly effuse from her. But. If you think back to ECW, the whole secret of ECW was to hide the weaknesses and push the strengths. If her strength is that she sounds like an airhead, you run with that. And you make that her character. Her character is she has no business being in a wrestling ring. I'm eating this peanut butter. I would feel she has no business being in a wrestling ring, but she's there anyways. I would feel better about it if it wasn't because of her deficiency as a performer that was being rewarded. It's like my problems with Randy Orton being, you know, an anger monger who poops in people's bags. Okay? Allegedly. Allegedly. I've never heard that about Randy Orton. Allegedly. But regardless, he's a bad person. She is a bad performer. You know what I mean? Like, I don't... I, I, don't, mm, ugh, I feel like she deserves to be recognized as terrible, and okay. this is the category to do it in. Okay, fine. Can we at least take Finn Balor out? Because, yes, when he picks up a microphone, oh, you want to turn the channel. Dude has no character. But the None! D- he came out, and I'm not even going to argue for the demon. He came out with the leather jacket. When he does that and he does the pose, there is charisma He looks there. like a dude in a leather jacket. He looks like he's a little kid who found a jacket in his father's closet. It doesn't even fit him, and he's just, like, swimming in it. That's what it looks like to me. It looks like he's playing dress-up. He's, he's, he's a six-year-old kid playing dress-up. But he is a charismatic six-year-old kid playing dress-up. I think that is my argument. That there is charisma there. We just have not been allowed to see it. And again... Maybe it's the end. If NXT is pushing Eva Marie to be this black hole of charisma, I think Finn Balor has charisma. We just haven't seen it yet. And there are other names on this list that are going to be bigger. Yeah, than there, that. there's other names. I'll take Finn Balor off the because list. Because you want to make, make a case for Eva Marie, that's fine. And I will even concede to you, we can take Ryback off this list because he is not Thank a black you. hole of charisma. He's just. T- 
terrible. I only I left him on the list of nominees because I know you put him there. I did. And I left him there just so we could have this conversation. Ryback is not as bad as you think he is. He belched on television. I think he, that was intentional. I, I think, don't. I think it was just he happened to do it and then went, <laughs> and that was I it. think this is the start of a new Ryback character. Remember He's Natal- Bastion Booger? Remember Natalia's farting gimmick? No. Thankfully, I yeah, don't. That was maybe before you came back. There was a while when she was coming on television, backstage promos, and all she did was fart for like months on end. What did she ever do wrong I to don't deserve know. this? She, Natalia, well, we'll talk about Natalia for that. We'll talk about her later. But yeah, Ryback is not that bad. When that dude gets passionate and he starts talking about something and it connects, fine. He does very well. Fine. Okay. All right, so Ryback's off the list. Let's talk a little bit about Alberto Del Rio. Okay. Because I think this is another one that's an easy elimination on the list. I don't think he belongs on this list. Why? I understand that he does sometimes become... mm, In such a way that you interpret as being disinterested in the product... But I, everyone I, well, feels I th- that way. But I think that's a reflection of the Alberto Del Rio character. I think that character is supposed to be this rich guy who's above everything else, and he doesn't... He, he's not supposed to be interested in, in what's going on around him until it's something that really matters, like a championship. And I actually think he's leaning into his character hard when he does this. Aren't you making the exact same argument you were making against Eva Marie? I right am. Now? The difference is, I think that this is a good performer. I know he's a good performer. Alberto El Patron showed me that he's a good performer, well, and, and this is a character choice. Del Rio has shown he's a good performer, too. He had a great match with John Cena on Raw. He had a great match with John Cena at uh, Hell in a Cell or whatever it was. He has good matches. It's, I, and again, take him off the list. I'm fine with it. He just... There are times when he is so obviously not caring, and maybe that's part of his character, but it, he's just a pain. Yeah, fair enough. But yeah, I think he comes off the list, especially compared to this fellow, whom we've seen in a bit of a program with Alberto Del Rio recently, Jack Swagger. Give this guy a microphone, and oh my god. Has he ever said one sentence that made you emote anything? Yes. Really? We. The people. The people. But he didn't say that. I mean, he does now, because that's all he has left. But isn't but that's that... a Zeb Coulter thing, really. But... Well, no. I'm not going to give him credit for that. But I'm going to give him credit for having some modicum of charisma. Don't give him a microphone. I'm with you there. Do yeah. not give the boy a microphone. But I do think he has some modicum of charisma compared to some of these other people. Because, you know, Eva Marie is on this list and she might be staying there. But Blake and Murphy. Who are they? But until they came up to Alexa Bliss, they were nobody. And now they're just nobody with, With a girl. Bliss. Yeah. Yeah, they belong on this list, I think. Blake and Murphy are going to they're going to rank, you know. I think on the top 3. Somewhere. So so I, I do not think Dash and Dawson rank though because I feel like Who are Dash and Dawson? I don't even know which one is Dash and which one is Dawson. And I have that same problem with Blake and Murphy. I honestly, if you put them side by side, together. I could not tell who's Blake and who's Murphy. I don't know who Dash is, and I don't know who Dawson is. I don't if you gave me a lineup of 8 guys, I don't even think I could tell you which ones were Dash and Dawson. Blake and Murphy, at least I could identify on site now. I'd say, oh, well, one of those is Blake and one of them is Dawson. Um, Dash and Dawson, I'm sorry, Blake and Murphy. 
I'm getting all worked up here. I understand. I'm getting all worked up here. Who are they? They're I can't old, even remember. They are an old school. Thro- they are what Bull Dempsey should have been. They're what Bull they're, Dempsey was. They, but but they never ran with it. Yeah. They're an old school throwback kind of thing to a time when you didn't need to emote incredible amounts of charisma. Yeah. Do I have a hard time telling them apart? I, I'm pretty sure Scott Dawson is the bald one, but I don't know. But I do, th- I do think they have charisma in the way that their character is being presented. They are being presented as two old school throwback guys who are going to come out, pick a limb, and tear it apart. In that sense, I think they do have charisma, at least more than some of the other people on this list. I will. The best thing I can say about Dash and Dawson is that perhaps they are inoffensive. Okay. So perhaps I can take them off the list. Okay, then let's do so. Cause, all right. All right. Um, I just want to bring up, I'm trying to keep people on Twitter updated on what topics <laughs> we're discussing. Um, Adster, at Adster1996, when I mentioned Biggest Blackest Holes of Charisma, brought up Baron Corbin. We already talked about him. Uh, you know, he is someone that can be... He was be a front a... runner until the last takeover. Yes, I would agree with he that. He was a complete front runner, maybe even to take the whole category. Yes. But as soon as he said... Go back to Ring of Honor. <laughs> if they run with that gimmick, yeah. I, I have a newfound respect for. There could be something there. Is all I'm saying. All right. So who else is on? We this haven't list yet here? talked about the Usos, Nikki Bella, or the Ascension. I don't know what to make about Nikki Bella, and part of it is because I don't watch the Bellas wrestle, and I know Nikki Bella is supposedly much I, better than expected. I know they're twins, so you might not be able to tell them apart. But she's the one with the boobs. We made it almost an hour before I felt uncomfortable. <laughs> I just wanted to, so you knew which Bella we were talking. We, we were just saying we didn't know who Blake and Murphy were. We didn't know who Dash and Dawson were. So I just wanted to point out that Nikki Bella's the one with, you know, I the boobs. But how is she on this list but not her sister? Because, I mean, I that's a good question. And I, I, I agree with that sentiment. But Brie Bella is in the background. And maybe that's because she's worse than her sister. I don't know. So because Nikki was the star, she gets put on this list because she's... Because she was the one out there performing. She's the black hole of charisma that's supposed to not be? Correct. Okay. She's the one who's out there who's actively garnering my hate. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't, I won't say that Bree's any be- better than Nikki, but she wasn't in a position where I had to care. I guess that's really the only reason why I chose Nikki over Bree. Okay. Um... But again, now I think we're talking, are all of these people black holes of charisma? Perhaps. Not Dash and Dawson, but everybody else. Um, But now we have to compare them to other black holes of charisma. Nikki Bella has more charisma than some of the other people on this list. Does she? You think she's got more charisma than whom? The Usos. Uh, The Usos, besides the fact that they put paint on and do a little tribal dance at the beginning. Hey, we say Us. You say... Suck. <laughs> Is that wrong? Is that the wrong now thing you're, to say? Now you're making me uncomfortable. <laughs> uh, okay, so... So, mm. I, I, you know, I think... We, the Usos, I think, I think well, are a lock for this list. Well, we but, haven't even talked about them yet, but the Usos are terrible. And again, the, 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 the Samoan tribal dance thing is fine. There's some character there. I'll yes. give it to them. But yes. I don't think that's Nikki Bella's charisma. character is the mean girl, you know, high school cheerleader. And not that I think we have to make this comparison. They could both go on the list. 
But if we have to make a comparison between Nikki Bella and Eva Marie, which one is more deserving of being on this list? I don't even know if I can really choose. They're well, both part, of, part of me looks at this and in only in the effort of saving time goes, we could pick a tag team, a female, and a guy. No, but I don't... Like, that's a good strategy, but if there are two tag teams that are worse than a guy or a female, mm-hmm. I think we have to recognize that. Okay. So I don't think we can draw we those We still lines. even haven't talked about the Ascension. There's a reason for that. I don't even know what to say about them. Doesn't that in and of itself... Well, here's the thing. Everything? Not really, because the one thing, the one defense I can mount for the Ascension... Is Stardust? Well, that's a good one, too. But it was also... I just haven't seen them on television. So should they go into one of our other categories that mm, we'll discuss later? Perhaps. Okay. I'm I, not sure actually, they've been actually, around enough. That, that I will take as an acceptable reason to cross them off the list. The other people have been on... so They're on there. They have to be on there when it comes to this one. They are not. Oh, well, let's put them on that list for later. Okay. When we enter hour seven of the DDT <laughs> Megapod. We just, I just wanted you to realize, we just crossed hour one. Yes, and we, we are on the first page of one, seven. two, three, four, five. Oh, my God. <laughs> I wasn't lying when I said seven. All right, folks. <sighs> I hope you have a long commute ahead of you as you venture into this podcast. Did you know that Zack Ryder and Emma are dating? This has nothing to do with anything I just found out last night. I found out last night as well. Okay. Uh, uh, so the Ascension came off the list. So right now we've got Blake and Murphy. Yes. We've got the Usos. Yes. We've got Nikki Bella. Yes. We've got Eva Marie. And Jack Swagger. And Jack Swagger. So you said you made a defense of Jack Swagger. I did. It's not a great one. But again, take the last month, month and a half out of it. We've only seen him the last six weeks. Mm. Before then, when was the last time you saw Jack Swagger? What did he do at WrestleMania? He did something at WrestleMania. Probably he? he was in the Battle Royal, I would yeah. imagine. When was his big push like against Rusev? That was 2014? I would think so. He was probably one of the first people that Rusev... And that's the other thing I have to remember is I'm trying to, we're trying to keep this current with 2015. Yeah. I, I think if we're going to take the Ascension off because we haven't seen them enough, we should take Jack Swagger off because besides the last six weeks, we haven't seen him at all. Okay, I agree and, with that. You know, and we can put him on the other category as well. So now we have Bamf, not counting Alexa, so boom. I actually, yes, I, I purposely said Blake and Murphy and not... Yeah, because Alexa has charisma. Correct. So, Blake and Murphy, the Usos, Nikki Bella, and Eva Marie. We have to eliminate one. We do. Does Alexa's presence help or hurt Blake and Murphy? Both. But in the, in the spirit of this category, do we give them credit for having someone who at least helps them rise up a little bit? Or do we not give them credit because compared to Alexa, they sink even further into Black Hole of Charisma Land? I think they belong on this list. Okay. So, I'm all for that. Eva Marie, you said, belongs on this list. Well, I'm looking at it now, though. So, because the Usos, I think, make a case to belong on this list, besides the Uso and the all of that. So this goes back to that comparison I asked you about before. If we had to choose Nikki or Eva... I would choose Nikki, because I think I, I like Eva. I'm just, I'm just remembering how, how worked up I was about Eva Marie at the beginning of this conversation, and I do feel all those things about her. Yes. <sighs> I'm looking at this list, and there are some big black holes of charisma on this list. Yeah. And I'm not saying that she's not a big black hole of charisma. 
Even Marie, I mean, she's so, made it to the top four here. Let me ask you this question, yeah. and maybe this will help. Um, you're going to sit down and watch a, promo- a wrestling show. All four of these talents are going to cut a promo and have a match. Which is the one you are most likely to watch? Oh, God. No. <laughs> No, don't ask me that question. I'm asking you that question because I feel no. like it will help. No, I don't want to... I just learned something about myself. Because I actually thought about your question. And I said, well, if I had to choose, I would watch... I learned something about myself, and it scares me. What'd you learn? I would rather watch Nikki Bella over all of these people. So that, I think, means we probably need to take her off the list. because She's terrible, though! There are obviously different levels of terrible ah! and she's in the seven levels who would you of, say because this is not just my list which like, one would i watch assuming alexa bliss is off is not part of blake and murphy yeah she's not i would watch eva marie because what they did when they pushed her character and again she hasn't been a huge presence maybe we take her off the list because like the ascension and like jack swagger she didn't have a huge part of 2015 no. she was there some of the time Very blake lonely. and murphy were there all year the usos had an injury but when they were healthy were there all year nikki bella up until her injury was there all year that's kind of was her year yes um but i would I, I would be okay with taking Nikki Bella off the list because I do think she has some modicum of charisma. And one other thing I will say about Nikki Bella that I think is a point in her favor. She... John Cena! No, not just that. She carries Total Divas. And See, I don't watch the show. That show's all right. Okay. Then I'm taking her off the list. I'm making the executive decision to take her off the list. So we have Blake and Murphy, the Usos, and Eva Marie. We need to pick a winner. Who is the biggest, blackest hole of charisma? Yes. If you had to pick one. Blake and Murphy. And I like Buddy Murphy as a wrestler. He was, I remember, December 2014, I wrote a column which said Buddy Murphy was going to be a breakout star. But the two of them together... I would rather watch The Usos, and I would rather watch Eva Marie. All right, folks. The biggest, blackest holes of charisma in the WWE today are Blake and Murphy, our runners-up, The Usos, and Eva Marie. We are down, one page down, six more to go. Hour five in. Uh, There was a title on Best storyline. The best storyline of 2015. All right. The nominees for best storyline of 2015 are... Corporate Kane versus Seth Rollins. Sting versus Seth Rollins. Wyatt Family versus the Brothers of Destruction. The Divas Revolution. The whole Mizdow thing. Mm-hmm. Bullfit. Yes, that's bull fit. Stardust and Titus O'Neil, whatever that backstage stuff was before it went nowhere. And. John Cena's U.S. title open challenge. Uh, Great nominees. I think we can take some of these off the list right away, though, because, again, we're talking storyline versus moment or a small handful of moments. And I'll bring up the one I wrote down. I loved Bullfit. Bullfit? Really? I could see... Bullfit could be a contender. But, again... 
there, we're talking a very small span of time when that story happened. And I'm specifically talking about that first vignette, the 80s workout vignette, was some of the best television I have seen from professional wrestling in 2015. I agree with you, but and there's another category okay. for both. But that story didn't go very far and then just completely ended. Uh, to that same point... Yep, I was going to say the same one Yeah, as well. I think that Mizdow also has its chance in a different category later on. It also was part of 2014. A lot of that story happened in 2014 and carried over into 2015. Okay, but the conclusion definitely was in 2015. Yes, yes, the WrestleMania with the Battle Royale. Yeah, but I think for now, Mizdow can come off this list. Uh, Stardust and Titus O'Neil, had they continued, might be a contender, but that, besides... There was a flash in the pan there that I enjoyed. two or three great promos, didn't go anywhere. Yeah, correct. So now we are here... One thing I want to point out in this list, there are two feuds here that involve, I mean, technically three feuds that involve Seth Rollins. So, I mean, props to Seth Rollins. I think the corporate Kane stuff he did this year was fantastic. The Sting versus Seth Rollins stuff was pretty good. And even his involvement in John Cena's US title open challenge went places as well. Yep, I would um, agree with that. So Seth Rollins definitely had a There's a reason here. that in the NAI 150, and I'm beginning to get the impression the NAI 150 is going to need to be a separate podcast. Indeed, sir. <laughs> uh, just because, uh, fun fact, Mrs. Matthews and Mrs. Manson are currently upstairs right now, and I doubt they are going to want us to go eight hours. Eight hours of pods! But Seth Rollins did win uh, WWE MVP of the Year in the NAI 150 for a good reason. Looking at his three storylines, though, I you you said it, Corporate Kane versus Seth Rollins is going to make it on this list. You and I adored that. I did, too. Yeah. we Yes, we did. We yes, did. that's what I just said. I know. Um, I'm sorry. I don't know. You even that's said- funny, because somebody I asked on Twitter the other night for best worst storyline suggestions... And I'm sorry, I don't have your name, but someone did come back and said, you know, corporate Kane. And then I was like, oh, yeah, that's one of my favorites, too. And he said worst. And he came back worst for worst storyline. I was like, oh, well, really? corporate Kane without Seth Rollins, just being corporate Kane, might contend for worst storyline. Corporate no. Kane. He, that the was, corporate that Kane was gold to, start to finish. The corporate Kane to Demon Kane piece is a separate thing altogether. I'm thinking about Kane as the authority figure before... You know. uh, well, maybe. But yeah, all the stuff there. But I'm not sure a- that Sting and Seth Rollins really fits on this list compared to some of the other things here because it was relatively short. Besides the moment with Seth Rollins' statue, I couldn't give you a single moment from it besides when Seth Rollins almost killed Sting. But I mean, that's a pretty powerful moment. No. Yes, but again, we're talking moments as opposed to a whole storyline. Whole story Corporate Kane versus Seth Rollins was great from start to finish for the most part. Yeah. Sting versus Seth Rollins, I wouldn't say that. I agree, and that's coming off the list. And when I look at the four now that are left, I think there's one that doesn't hang. Uh, it's not the one I was thinking oh. of. Uh, I was going to say Wyatt Family versus Brothers of Destruction really? is the one that doesn't hang. Cause you, and you just pointed out the Divas Revolution. I did, and I'll make that case in a minute. I don't think the Divas Revolution went how I wanted it to go. And I don't think it's in a good place now. Yeah. But in terms of what happened over a multi-week period of time and you know investment in it, I I think the Divas Revolution... 
made the women's division something to watch on the product again. And maybe that's not a best storyline. Maybe that's maybe that should be rewarded like in a best trend type of situation. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Because you're right. I guess when I really think about the story that, that moment, was told. The moment where Stephanie came out and brought out Sasha and Charlotte and Becky was great. And even even you know Team PCB and the and Team Bad and the Bella Team Bella like all that stuff worked for a little bit, but then I start thinking about where that story went with Paige being the bad guy in PCB, but then Paige is still a heel, but it really turns out Charlotte really is a scumbag now. I think like that that, that story st- has totally imploded. The story ended for me maybe after the first. You know, it lasted for maybe a month. Yeah. But after a while, because they were in groups, so you had to see the same kind of matches over and over again, it got old pretty fast for me, the Divas Revolution. Whereas the Wyatt Family versus the Brothers of Destruction, I think, did a very, you know, you weren't expecting that no. to come out again. No. And we don't have Wyatt versus, or I mean, Taker versus Brock on here, and... I don't know if that would qualify as a storyline because it started oddly, but <laughs> oh, okay, you're writing it under worst storyline. We'll talk about that. Um, but when the Wyatts came out and abducted the Undertaker, it was sh- relatively short in duration. Although Bray faced the Undertaker at WrestleMania 31, so that was also part of 2015. Um, I thought that was a very good storyline. It didn't end the way I wanted it to. No, it didn't. But, but, you know, we got some good moments out I, of it. We did. But it was more than just a moment. Because we got to see them carry out The Undertaker. Yep. Then we got to see him carry out Kane. Yep. Then we got to see them come out and cut that promo about having subsumed the souls and the powers. That was fantastic. And he started controlling the wrestle magic. Correct. There why were several ended, moments. Why that ended quickly, I will never know. Yeah, it was, that could have been the winner of, I think, best storyline of the year. That could still be happening right now. You could still have that storyline in some form or if fashion. They wanted to commit to the Wyatts and the Wyatt family. We talked about this on the podcast. That could have been the start of their run at the top of this company. Like, that was every story justification you could ever possibly want or need. Yep. Um, that made that could have made them overnight, and instead they've almost completely dropped it, which I think is sad. They have dropped it, with the exception yeah. of the fact that Kane's randomly in there for So no that reason. said, we're looking at the list. Corporate Kane versus Seth Rollins, Wyatt family, Brothers Destruction, Divas Revolution, and John Cena's used title open challenge. Now, I think we can right away. We haven't even talked about the title yet, but I think the Divas Revolution can come off. I think you've convinced well, let's, me. Well, let's talk about the title for a second because do we consider that a single storyline? It was definitely a thread that ran through most of 2015, but was that a storyline? You know, Kevin Owens was part of that for a while. You had other people coming in and out of that for a while. I think that's totally a storyline. John Cena's was having an open challenge, and that's a story in and of itself that, as I told you, if it had accumulated with somebody going over John Cena that needed that win, they would have legitimized that person because they've already legitimized the belt through John Cena's involvement, and that would have actually been a really good storyline. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't really end it that way. The first time it went to Seth Rollins, which was a complete waste, and now they're just ignoring that that ever happened, of course. And then they were just pretending that John Cena held the belt straight through until he lost it to Alberto Del Rio. Um, but you know, okay. I think there. I think it. I, you so, you the so, length of it, I think, is you, also the breadth of that me, story. You line. sold me on that. Um, 
I wrote down something because uh, our good friend PJ's got a new name. Uh, PJ's now at Thrillhouse90, and he wrote down, I really like the Owen Cena and Sasha Bailey storylines. We kind of talked about Owens here with the Open Challenge. And then Adster again came up with Sasha and Bailey. Do do we consider Sasha and Bailey? These are all WWE storylines. We didn't really get into NXT with the exception of Bullfit here. Does Sasha Banks versus Bailey rank as one of the top storylines of 2015 in your mind? It does not. Um, I think that they had some good matches, but I think the best matches, my opinion, are, was the best match of that whole thing was the Fatal 4-Way. Okay. Um, and yeah, Bailey and Sasha were involved there, but... I think that the when they, later when they went on to just the Sasha versus Bailey stuff, I, those were good matches. The Iron Woman match was you know incredible or whatever. I'm not as enamored with it as a lot of people seem to be, but I do think that the peak for that division came earlier in the year before that storyline really ever got started. I would I would say the storyline works for me, and a lot of people like it way more than I do, including Jason Maltoff, talking about how this was kind of Bailey growing up and establishing herself as a big star, and Sasha did some amazing heel work. I do like that. I wonder, however, though, if, because it was on NXT, you know, it was still a great storyline, but not as many people saw it. And I don't know if that needs to factor into this. You know, is it better than the Divas Revolution? Yeah, probably. Yeah, I'm taking Divas off. What, We've got a couple fine. other contenders on. Was right it now. better than Corporate Kane versus Seth Rollins? I don't think so. Was no. it better than the Open Challenge? I don't think so. And actually, there's something else that just came up, kind of from PJ's thing. But we're just talking about Cena's U.S. Title Open Challenge. I might be okay if we limited that to the Owens versus Cena portion of that. Um, I would be okay with that because, and again, I, and that's you know, I loved the open challenge, absolutely loved it. But Owens versus Cena is when that that was the strongest part of that entire thing. I yeah. think watching him come out as NXT champion, stomping on the U.S. title belt, those their matches, him winning his debut match against Cena, like there was a lot of real good stuff that happened in that exchange. So I think that okay, so let's it, take the open title. T- the open challenge off completely, but add Owens versus, Owens versus Cena. Cena. So now we're down to four. I, I think we're down to three. I'm tempted to say Sasha versus Bailey was a better story than the Wyatts versus the Brothers of Destruction, if only because it ended with a bang instead of a whimper. The Wyatts and the Brothers... Sasha versus Bailey ended with a bang? Bailey won the title, overcame all the odds at... Um, Brooklyn, and then defeated her again in convincing fashion at during the Iron Woman match. I guess so, but to me, that was a sort of a whimper. And I think it's partially because Sasha was already on the main roster at okay. that point. Okay. And her going back to NXT, like I never really felt like she was actually gonna. I am okay win with. Against I am Bayley. okay with either of these. So if you want to take Sasha versus Bailey, you know maybe it comes in as a fourth or fifth place in our discussion. Um, but I'm okay with taking it out and keeping the other three because yeah. these are three very good storylines. That's let's, fine. Let's I mean, you know, Sasha versus Bailey. I'm not trying to knock it here. No. It was Four good, strong storylines. Yes. But, but I think the other three... Right. All right. So, of these three, Corporate Kane versus Seth Rollins, Kevin Owens versus John Cena, and the Wyatt Family versus the Brothers of Destruction, which is the one that you would rank as the best storyline of 2015? I am partial. I am too. 
I to, know what you're going to go with. To corporate Kane versus Seth Rollins. And I think that shows our bias towards all things Wrestle Silly. Uh-huh. Because that had Wrestle Silly written all over it. Wyatt Family versus Brother Destruction had a lot of good Wrestle Magic in it. It did. Which is pretty close to Wrestle Silly in my book. I, but. I, I do And think... I really like that moment of Owens and Cena when they. Oh, when he's. This is a tough. This is a tough one because I would go in terms of story. I would go with multi week. I I think the Wyatts and the Brothers of Destruction come in third for me, just because of duration and because of the way it ended. Kind of, it ended like they were really trying. They had a you know multi million dollar feature motion picture that they were making and they ran out of money so needed to film the last ten minutes in two days and it just kind of they just kind of ended it. Yeah. Um. Kevin Owens versus John Cena was probably the better story in terms of the matches were better. Uh, they had some better moments in a, you know, here I am kind of thing. But Wrestle Silly is going to get me every time. There's a reason I like who I like. And Corporate Kane versus Seth Rollins had some amazing Wrestle Silly moments. If you're okay with it, then I'm going to call the winner of Go this category it. Best Storyline 2015. Corporate Kane versus Seth Rollins. Runners up, Kevin Owens versus John Cena. Wyatt Family versus the Brothers of Destruction. Absolutely. Um, PJ also mentioned at Throwhouse90, uh, the Roman Reigns story is something we could consider. It oh, happened, I considered it. It happened kind of at... I didn't put it on the nominees. That's how seriously I considered it. Okay. I did think about it, though. and we I could have put it on the list so we could have talked about it. But I I don't I think we've already moved we got to move on yeah. um, I wouldn't rank to me but there is a you know the Roman Reigns long term story was good I don't think they planned it as a long term story I think it just happened that way I was just never very invested in it that's my main issue with all it. right so we've talked about the best storyline which brings us to the worst storyline also known as DC. No, I will not say it. You wrote it. I changed one of the words because yeah, it made which me mean, uncomfortable. Which means you have to say it now. No, I'm not saying it. You named it. No. It's your name. This will be the end of DDT Wrestling. <laughs> if you're going to make me say this Come word. On. What's wrong with it? My in-laws are listening. No, Darn they're not. They honestly are. I apologize about the boob comment before then. <laughs> Alright, worst storyline, also to me known as the Wet Fart Award. Because this is the thing that just, you know, sometimes these things just hang in the air, and you just kind of look at it, and boy, is DC uncomfortable right now. I need an adult! (laughs) These are the worst storylines of the year. Nominees are The Love Rhombus. So that would include Dolph Ziggler, Rusev, Lana, and Summer Rae. Correct. The Mean Girls Revolution, which I think is just your silly title for what the Divas Revolution became. Yes. Uh, The Stardust brief teasing of a feud with Cesaro. Roman Reigns versus Daniel Bryan. Roman Reigns versus Lesnar. John Cena's U.S. title open challenge. Ending with Del Rio. Ending, ending with, with Del Rio. Now again, we're going to cross oh, yeah, some of these we off. we got some more nominees. Bray Wyatt versus Brother of Destruction leading to a loss. And, and that's... Okay, and then Barrett winning King of the Ring and then doing nothing else. So obviously you didn't read some of these that no. I wrote on the list before you read them. Um, so hold on a second. We just you said... You forgot one. Oh, and yeah, this is a late ad. Undertaker versus Brock Lesnar. All right, before we get into that... 
I know I can already tell there are moments here that we need to cross off. Stardust brief tease of a Cesaro feud. I'm crossing off the list because it looked like it was going to be. It could have been something good, and then it went nowhere. And honestly, that's not what this storyline is all. That's not what this category is all about. Right. Um, we we can't have the Wyatts versus the Brothers of Destruction as a nominee, and then also has a nominee for worst storyline. I just hated the way it ended. It did end poorly, but... I'm going to take the U.S. title open challenge off there as well, because I hated... Actually, I didn't hate how it ended. I loved seeing Del Rio, you know, beat Cena so convincingly. I just hated what he did with the title afterwards. So I'm crossing those things off the list. So now we're really down to the Love Rhombus, the Mean Girls Revolution, Taker versus Brock, which is all you, Roman Reigns versus Daniel Bryan versus Brock Lesnar, and... Uh, King Barrett winning the King of the Ring and doing nothing else, which I do think deserves to be on this list. Hmm. So, okay, um, we're gonna take off. I think unless you have an argument for it, Roman Reigns versus Daniel Bryan, Roman Reigns versus Lesnar. Oh, go for it. I think that can come off the list. I, I, I do want to mention it that I'm. We kind of talked about it just before the last part. There, I'm not invested in Roman Reigns, and I just I'm just not. And so, it's hard for me to feel much of anything in these storylines with him. I put it down there because when he beat Daniel Bryan at uh, Fastlane yes. to go to WrestleMania, that was, you know, I stopped watching the product for a while after that. So I do think that was a really bad moment for me personally. Um, but again, I'm just so not invested in Roman Reigns. I think some other things here, if we're really talking about bad storytelling, um, are probably worse. So we're going to take everything with Roman Reigns right off this list. We're, we're, now we're talking about Love Rhombus, yep. Divas Revolution, King Barrett, yep. and Taker versus Well, let's Brock. talk about the you know the Mean Girls Revolution I, again. That was on our list yes. for best storyline for a It was just while. the way it, cur- it completely dissolved into nothing I had any interest and in. And here's the thing. I actually I think maybe it belongs on this list because the Divas Revolution, like I said, was great to start with. Yeah. And... It did. It has sort of brought back women's wrestling to something that I care about on the main roster. That's yes. another positive. However, when you look at the muddled mess, and maybe we're talking mostly specifically about Team PCB, but you look at just that portion of that revolution, and what the heck is going on there? Does that that is some of the worst storytelling I can think of in the product today? There were high again. It, it, it just got very confusing. Charlotte and, very and Becky and Paige being friends, and then Paige double crossing them, and then they were friends again. But Paige was still saying bad things, and then she double crossed them again, and maybe a third time. Yep. And then finally, come out through all this, Paige is still acting like a complete idiot. But maybe she was right about Charlotte all along. Well, and now, now Charlotte's kind of heelish, but she's cheering on Becky still. But, but that's that clearly make leading any somewhere, sense. like. I think the implosion of Team PCB, more than the Mean Girls Revolution, maybe, okay. that specific part of it is some of the worst storytelling that happened well, in 2015. Let's change it from Mean Girls Revolution. Do you, would you agree? Do you agree the uh, rest of the revolution was less offensive than that? What portion were you referring to? I was referring to, again, it started off so well, and then they all got into little stables, and you rarely have female stables in wrestling, so I thought that was fine. But then it quickly resulted into just 
the same matches over and over again. And, you know, PCB were good friends, and the Bellas were the mean girls, and Team, Team Bad, Bad just didn't was, really show up. No, they, they faded into the background pretty quickly. I think, and I could be wrong, but this is one of the things that I feel, is I think Bailey was supposed to be part of this until her hand injury. I honestly feel like Bailey was going to be the third Bella. It was going to be Brie Bella, Nikki Bella, and Bailey Bella, and she was going to be the young, innocent kid that the Bailey... I do think Alicia Fox... It, it, she's she's completely out of left field. That's obviously a last-minute substitution. Um, I think it's... Bailey was I could have be... seen Bailey in place of Becky, and then having her be poached by... I, the I, good uh, by by Team Bella, the I Mean think, Girls. I think the Mean Girls would have taken advantage of her doe-eyed naivete, and that would have been a whole separate. I think story that would have been maybe a best storyline. Yes. but it didn't happen that way. What actually happened? So, so the problem I had with it is it just got muddled, and you know, I didn't mind some of the Page stuff. I thought they had very interesting moments. Page being right despite acting like a heel. As soon as Ric Flair showed up with Charlotte, I checked out of that whole thing. Because Charlotte was no longer the person that I thought was going to be the best women's wrestler in world history. She just became a joke, and I stopped caring. So I'm okay with putting that on the list. What I'd like you to do right now is tell the neighborhood why you wrote down Undertaker versus Brock Lesnar. And I'd like you to keep talking until I get back from the bathroom. So, would you mind? Unfortunately, there's not much for me to say about this. Oh. Yeah. Dang. (laughs) (laughs) That's unfortunate. Uh... Vamp, will you? I will. But so Taker versus Brock, I'm going to start up front by saying probably comes off the list of nominees. The problem that I really have with it is that I just don't care. Um, but that said, you know, storyline wise, I guess there probably actually is a pretty good reason for them to be feuding. Brock Lesnar beat the Undertaker at WrestleMania, so the reason why they would feud. On, in an ongoing way, I guess actually makes a lot of sense. So, again, Taker versus Brock, I think can come off this list. What do you think, DC? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Taker and Brock can come off the list. Uh, oh, by the way, Doc, I think you are the smartest person in the world, and you really are the host of DDT Wrestling, just so you know. I'm just a co-host. I'm a, I'm a little guy, and I think you're so great. Oh, boy, you are so good, Doc. Thanks, DC. I feel the same way about you. Not really. I am better than you. How do you feel about that? This is what happens when DC abandons the neighborhood in the middle of the DDT Awards show. I have to vamp, and I start making a character out of him. I don't even know what I'm talking about anymore. Anyways, back to the worst storyline. Our nominees currently are the Love Rhombus... The implosion of PCB and King Barrett winning the tournament, the King of the Ring tournament, and then he's basically done nothing since then. Uh, now, DC, why do you think that King Barrett winning the King of the Ring tournament is one of the worst storylines of the year? Da! Well, I sort of think that. <laughs> I'm back! I'm back! Stop it! Sorry. Uh,. Why do I think King Barrett... Okay. Um, I, I say this purely as a fan of the King of the Ring tournament. You know, the King of the Ring tournament used to mean something. And to have the King of the... What, you took it off the list already? You took Taker versus Brock? You talked yourself out of it? 
they have a strong reason to be feuding, actually. In terms of storylines, you could do worse. Okay. I don't care about it very much, but you could do worse. All right. So, King Barrett winning, or Barrett winning King of the Ring, it wasn't that he won. That wasn't a problem. It was the fact that he won and then proceeded to lose, I think, the next, maybe he was 1 in 17, if I remember correctly. Why have the tournament if the King of the Ring is going to job for weeks afterwards? What is the point of having the It's the tournament? new Intercontinental Championship. I, well, for whatever reason. If you're not going to do anything with it, don't waste our time in having the tournament at all. Make the turn, you know, maybe it means an Intercontinental title shot. Maybe it means a U.S. title shot. Maybe all it means is you get, maybe you have it in the fall and the winner of the King of the Ring gets the number 30 spot in the Royal Rumble. But at least give it some meaning, except to make his character slightly different and stink. That's why it's on the list. Um, do you, I mean, unless we add Mean Girls revolution, the portion you're talking about, in addition to the implosion of PCB, um, we might be at only three nominees left. True. So, do you think Mean Girls ranks separately from implosion of PCB, or no? No. Uh... Or do you think that Mean Girls encompasses implosion of PCB, so we should... I think the... I am faulting the Divas Revolution for... It didn't seem to be well thought out long term. I'm faulting it for maybe something else, but it's still part of that storyline. So I think Mean Girls may be more than Implosion of PCB, okay. because that still includes the Implosion of PCB. Right. Have we talked? Have, did you mention the Love Rhombus at all? No, I haven't. And I haven't really talked about it at all, because it's the winner of this category. It really is. Um, but we've talked about this on the show before, a little bit. They took the strongest female character that they had in years and they reduced her to a jean jacket wearing object of affection trophy to be won garbage Mm -hmm. They, they destroyed what was one of the best strongest characters that had grown organically well, in the past couple of years. And they destroyed two of them, because Rusev was doing just fine on his own there as well. You know, he has the best, in my mind, the best entrance possibly in WrestleMania history, coming out on a freaking tank, and, you know, he seemed to be in line to take over the world, you would hope, and then all of a sudden, he's jobbing here, and he's jobbing there, and he's, you know, I loved Sad Rusev, don't get me wrong. Yep. Um, and one of the moments from here shows up in another one of our categories, but that was just a, a garbage truck or a garbage mess from beginning to end. So yes, that to me is Acting the clear is bad. Like people, and the only good thing I can say about the love rhombus is it got Summer Ray back on television. But because I don't you, know what the heck she was doing before that. If you think about the 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 year that Summer Ray had, I don't know what she was doing. Maybe she was in. NXT. Did you hear last night? Yes. So she's no longer. Just, with I was Tyler just going to talk about that. She ends the year literally breaking up with oh, what now is her third guy? If you count Dolph Ziggler, kind of um, her third guy of 2015. So I don't know what that means for either of them. Yeah, I, I don't know. Um, in terms of worst storyline of the year, though, I think Love Rhombus takes it. They irreparably well. I don't. I was going to say they irreparably harmed 
these characters. But maybe that's not true. I mean, Lana's back, Rusev is back. They seem to be doing all right together. Well, but, I mean, that remains to be seen Lana's long back. term. When was the last time you saw Lana? Once Rusev joined the League of Nations, Lana stopped showing up. She wasn't... Hmm. I don't know if that was... Maybe she's still injured and is rehabbing. I don't know if that's... You know, there was rumors that she got a lot of heat for the TMZ thing. I don't know why you're blaming her, but... She, yeah, I don't know. Now that Rusev is part of the League of Nations, Lana has not been on television, I would say, in three to four weeks. I don't know what that means for her. I have high hopes for Rusev, as we'll get to possibly on the third of these great many podcasts we're doing. <laughs> we've, hit, we've passed the hour 30 mark. This is officially a megapod. All right. Worst storyline or um, moist, flattest award. Yes! <laughs> Thank you, DC. I'll talk about it if I can be scientific. Uh, goes to the love rhombus. Runners up, the mean girls, and Barrett winning the king of the ring. Um, which brings us to the... Oh. Now you are going to vamp. Now I'm going to vamp. All right. I'm going to vamp. And I'll do the nominees. I'm even going to move over here to get better microphone position. We've talked about the best storyline. We've talked about the worst storyline. Now I'd like to talk to you about the... Huh? questionable storyline of the year, or questionable moment of the year. These are the things that happened in professional wrestling that made us all kind of scratch our heads and not really be sure what's happening. And the nominees are WWE all but ignoring Seth Rollins' win of the United States title and talking about John Cena as if he had one seven-month uninterrupted reign as United States champion. I don't get that. Neither does Doc. We'll talk about it. The next one, and I don't really remember this, so Doc's going to have to talk about it a little bit when we get back. Bray Wyatt subtly threatening Roman Reigns' daughter during the feud. The Intercontinental... uh, Elimination Chamber match. This is mine, so let me set the scene for you here. Um, At one point during the Intercontinental Title Elimination Chamber match, Sheamus appears to be stuck in the chamber. We're not sure why, we're not sure what happened, but he seems to be stuck. Um, And so it, it honestly looks like it's a legitimate problem. You know, they're trying to fix the cage, they're trying to fix the cage. They don't ever really talk about what happened. And then all of a sudden, Seamus fixes it and comes out, and what you've realized that the cameras really haven't shown you is he's taken his Celtic cross necklace and wedged it into the chamber door so that it won't open. So he is intentionally prolonging his time not being in the match, giving him a better chance of winning by doing this. But the cameras don't show it. I don't believe anybody talked about it. It was just this random, random moment that happened that I had a problem with. And the final one is Chris Jericho's appearance at Night of Champions. So, Doc, if you remember, and Doc is back, I'm not going to pretend to make up his voice, because that would be mean. (laughs) Jerk. Chris Jericho is the surprise partner for Dean Ambrose and Roman Reigns against the Wyatts. Um, Really matching the power brought by Beef Stroganoff. Yeah, yeah. Match power with an old flabby guy. And then, I say that, and Chris Jericho is in better shape than I've ever been in my life. The Um, winner of the DDT Awards, best debut of the year, Beef Stroganoff. That's true. Uh, Chris Jericho loses, 
and then gives Dean Ambrose a little shove on his way out of the ring. So you think that's teasing a heel turn, and then we haven't seen Chris Jericho since. Another, huh? Questionable moment. So I've gone through the categories or the nominees here, Doc. There's only four. Is there anything else that you could think of that belongs on this list? Because, I mean, I'll be honest. We could mention the PCB storyline is a questionable moment, trying to figure out what exactly is happening with them. This is maybe a little out there, but, I mean, going on with that, Paige's mention of Ric Flair's son... Ooh. I don't know if that's really the I don't know spirit of this category. I don't know if that's a questionable moment. That's a bad taste moment. Yeah. There wasn't many of the. Although Bray Wyatt suddenly... Tell me about that, because I don't remember that happening. Tell me what you remember about Bray Wyatt suddenly threatening Roman Reigns' daughter. Well, basically, they were in the middle of their feud, and Roman Reigns was doing those commercials for, like, you know... Um, he was having a tea party. And yeah, stuff. a tea party and all that kind of stuff. And the part of the thing was you know, Bray Wyatt was sort of just talking about him as a father and being like oh it'd be a shame if those things that you're most dear to you or you know whatever so it was just it was an aside thing he didn't like specifically say anything but it was kind of just like you're a grown ass man essentially threatening somebody Child. it's just I, it, it was although, only it was a throwaway thing but I was still just like although what? technically Kofi Kingston threatened to fight children uh, during a New Day promo a couple of weeks ago. That was a little different. That was a little different. I think we should include um, Paige bringing up Rick, uh, Reed Flair's suicide or his death because that was a, you know, it was questionable because it came out of left field. Uh, Rick Flair apparently didn't really agree with it. You know, we weren't sure where it came from. That definitely qualifies, I think, as a questionable moment. And in that case, we're questioning the taste of it as opposed yeah. to some of these other ones. Uh, this is tough for me because... I don't think Seamus hangs I here. don't think he does. That, was, was, that a, was more of a mistake on the part of the cameraman and right, the production. to mention it. You can take that off the list. But other than that, these are four pretty good nominees for this category. You know, Chris Jericho, storyline-wise, I don't understand what that was. No. Uh, I don't get why... They're not mentioning that Seth Rollins won the U.S. title. I don't even know why he won the U.S. title. He shouldn't have. What was the point? There was no point. Like I told you, they were building up this... In in fact, to me... I mean, yeah, bad taste and whatever. Maybe that's a stronger um, reaction, actually. But in terms of trying to keep myself in a happy wrestling place, I can't understand at all why they would build up the U.S. title open challenge like they did. Yeah. Only to culminate it in having your heavyweight champion win the U.S. title. The only thing I can think of, I was noticing you have like a Tomb Raider game over there. But That's the first one on the PC from probably like 1990 or whatever wow. it was. Yeah. There's all sorts of stuff. In, there's, there's a show we should have in Doc's basement. <laughs> um, that, to me, the only explanation that I could think of was they were trying to copy Ring of Honor because Jay Lethal won the television title and the world title in Ring of Honor. It was a really poor payoff for a multi-month well, it, it story. It didn't make line. any sense. It didn't make any sense at all. So I think that one has to stay on this list. I agree. Um you know, we could take Paige off of there because that is that almost breaks kayfabe a little bit. The other 3 don't really, although Bray Wyatt threatening Roman Reigns' daughter was odd. Maybe, maybe if, I, if I take the category at face value, questionable moment of the year the use of someone's dead son in a storyline 
is that the top of my list of questionable things you could decide to do well, as a company? This brings me back to an NAI 150 category. Uh, you know, what is the worst moment in professional wrestling? I really had to separate it into two things. There's the real moments, Chris Benoit, Owen Hart, Eddie Guerrero. And Which is arguably the only one of those that I would really say... Well, that's a different thing. Why are we talking about this? Go on. Because then there's the kayfabe moments. Yeah. You know, bringing up Katie Vick in that storyline or Mae Young giving birth to a hand. Right. Those are bad storylines, but you have to separate the the worst moment on a wrestling show that was scripted and the worst moment that happened. You know, again, we've talked about whether or not things are scripted. Do you believe someone told Paige to talk about Reed Flair? Yes. Do you believe Charlotte was pressured into accepting it being relatively new on the roster? And- I don't think I don't think maybe she was pressured. I don't think somebody said, Oh, you're going to do this. I think they said, Hey, how would you feel about this? And through naturally being pressured, she said, Oh, it's fine. Okay. I think that still counts as being pressured though. I think this belongs on the list. I'm just wondering which of these we take off. You know, Chris Jericho at Night of Champions was a questionable moment. I don't know if we're gonna get a payoff. Maybe Jericho shows up at the Royal Rumble. I think if we take something off, we're gonna take off Bray Wyatt. I think I think you're right, because that was odd, but it almost fit in with the feud. Right. Maybe because Bray Wyatt was for a lot of that feud getting cheered more than Roman Reigns was. Yeah. All right, so that brings us to three. Seth Rollins winning the U.S. title and them never mentioning it. Chris Jericho at Night of Champions or Paige bringing up Reed Flair. Is that the winner? Because you said that's the questionable moment of the year. Well, I mean, like, it's definitely the moment that was in the worst taste, as you said. Yeah. But, I mean, I hesitate to give it the, the win here only because... It does win by default based off of, you know, actual emotional response to a real-world thing. Yeah. And I hesitate to give it the win because it could be more interesting for us to try to decide, you know, what was the odder sort of decision that happened storyline-wise? Seth Rollins winning a title that they never mm-hmm. bothered explaining? Or having Chris Jericho show up for no reason, being a poor fit in a team, never capitalizing on anything and never going anywhere. Like, there's a discussion to be had in those I, two cases. I would I would argue for Chris Jericho because I could make a case that Seth Rollins beating John Cena and winning the U.S. title, while it meant nothing for the title, really in some ways solidified Seth Rollins as a true main event guy. You know, in Seth Rollins 2015, he wins the title in a cheap way, defends his title in many times in a cheap way, but then beats John Cena. And I can't remember, was there, did he cheat to win? Was that John Stewart? That was John Stewart. Hit him with the chair. Yeah. John Stewart hit him with the chair. And. Oh, I talk about questionable moments. (laughs) We just added a new. Including John Stewart in anything. Oh so, my god, that was bad. So, you know, I could make a case for that having a purpose. Chris Jericho at Night of Champions had no purpose whatsoever you that were, I am you, no that you, I know hmm. of. You were convincing me until you brought up John Stewart. And now I kind of feel like questionable moment of the year goes to the use of John Stewart. Maybe um, God, that was We bad. could take this off and and replace the US thing with the use of John Stewart. No, but it's it's part of it though. And and I do think that honestly the way that they are completely ignoring that title win belongs on this list. I can't believe that they talk about John Cena like he like he held the title all those months. It, it, it's right. ridiculous. We got to pick one because yeah. we're at 15 minutes a category, and honestly, 
Um, so the ladies upstairs are going to want lunch at some point soon. Yeah. So let's go with. Uh, hmm. I would say Chris Jericho doesn't qualify as the winner, but I would go with either of the other two. I would go with either Page channeling Reed Flair or WWE's use of the U.S. title and John Stewart in the summer. I guess we give it to Page. Okay. Because that really was a bad taste moment. Super questionable. Well, I like that because most of these, just in the way we listed the nominees, the top person has almost always won. Paige's thing of Ric Flair, or Reed Flair, was an add-on. And I think that's good. So yeah, sure. Questionable moment of the year is Paige uh, mentioning Reed Flair in that for no particular reason. Runners-up, the U.S. title, hullabaloo in the summer, and Chris Jericho at Night of Champions. Absolutely. All right. We've talked we had two negative categories in a row, so let's let's have some fun with this next one. I want to call this one the jam of 2015. And this is it's not even a guilty pleasure cuz we could talk guilty pleasures, Bo Dallas. Um all we wanted. Oh, we is, can talk guilty pleasures. Oscar. No, cuz that's your that's oh, going oh, to be your oh, jam right, of right. 2015. Yeah, uh, well, is when we're talking jam of 2015, it is the talent that when it came on you just jumped out of your chair with glee when they appeared. And you're going to vote for Asuka, and I think that's a fair nominee. But let me read some of the other nominees here. Um, we have... I would thought there was another one. Uh, ah. Asuka. Jason Jordan and Chad Gable. Luke Harper. Cesaro. Kevin Owens. Dean Ambrose and New Day. So, by jam of 2015, I mean, you can maybe almost say, yeah, like you said, the talent that excites you. And this is maybe going to be a little difficult because we're going to have to actually agree on some of these things. So I'd like to throw in a last-minute addition as well, uh, Ryback. I think he definitely places on the list somewhere, at least as a Ryback. I'm going back to the bathroom. No, um, so I'll tell you right now, things that are not debatable for me. Sure. Asuka's on this list. Yes, I would agree. I look forward to seeing her in the ring every single time Mm -hmm. they trot her out. I'm going to take, I put Luke Harper on this list because I believed he needed mentioning uh, as, and maybe he'll go into another category. Luke Harper is an excellent performer. Yes. I'm not taking anything away from him. But in terms of somebody who I say on a weekly basis, oh, I gotta see what they do next. Yeah, he's not on this list. He's not on that list. No. Why is Dean Ambrose on this list? I really liked Dean Ambrose in 2014 when he attacked people (laughs) with a hot dog cart. 2014 was great. And that's the thing. I'm still excited by Dean Ambrose. I still want the lunatic fringe to do those things. And I do, every time, see him say to myself, oh, he might do one of those things. Might. And so that's why I do get excited by him still. Yes, but, but I don't. He think doesn't actually do the excited. Thing. And he hasn't in a while. So no, I think he comes off the list. list. I added New Day at the last minute because they're somebody that and their act has gone a little, gotten a little old in the last few months. That's but, the only thing I'll say against New but Day. But New Day for a good portion of 2015, when they come on TV, I watch what they are going to do. I did. Up until a month or so ago. Okay. And now I believe they're So I think, I think they deserve some consideration here. Cesaro is a guy, when he wrestles, I'm going to watch him. I'm not going to watch him do anything else. The thing that I... My problem I have with Cesaro is... 
I no longer believe he's going to do anything of note. He's a strong performer. I love watching him. He's very athletically gifted. Yep. But I don't ever think he's going to win a main title or anything I, like that. I so. Think so we'll take him off the list as well. Um, Jordan and Gable. I will watch anything they do, but that's only been for the last three or four months. And that's only, it's not their fault, and I guess you guess you can make the same case for Asuka, but Jordan and Gable are must, maybe this should be called the must-see TV award. You know, I will watch anything that they do. I would say, when I see Gable and Jordan come out, I get excited. I, I I know I'm in for an awesome match with stuff I've probably never seen before. Yes. Um I think they're on my list. I I think they're on this list. Well, so we're down to four. We're down to Asuka, Gable and Jordan, New Day, and Kevin Owens. Who again, when Kevin Owens comes out I mean I'm just probably... like last just two weeks ago with that promo he cut about Dean Ambrose mm-hmm. and he came across as a gigantic lunatic, like Man, Kevin Owens is yeah. good. New Day, I think, contends because most of 2015 was so good, but I could see the argument that since they have gotten a little old, right now, today, January 1st, 2016, mm. they are not necessarily my jam. And But let's go back... Well, let's just say it's jam of 2015, though. Do you feel that proportionally, in 2015, New Day really was something that you were looking forward to for a good portion of 2015. Yes, and I would actually argue that just in terms of calendar days, they were probably something I was looking forward to more than, with the exception of Kevin Owens, who had his NXT and WWE. They were more exciting than Asuka or more exciting than Jordan and Gable solely because they were there for a longer period of time. So, I'm not necessarily saying I want to take either of those two names off the list, but somebody's got to go. Somebody does have to go. Oh, this is hard. Okay, this so is... Asuka, Gable Jordan, Kevin Owens, New Day. As, as much as I do think New Day has gotten stale, I can't disagree. No, this jam is... of 2015. Yes, if you look 2015 at the whole is New year. Day's year. Yes. It definitely is. 2015 is Kevin Owens' year. He it made is. his debut at the end of 2014 and all, only in this year won the NXT title, uh, put Sami Zayn on the shelf, put Neville on the shelf, and beat John Cena and won the Intercontinental title. Yeah. New so, Day, Kevin Owens are a lock. I I would make the case to take Jordan and Gable off solely because we haven't seen enough of them. Am I being too short-sighted with Asuka? Does Asuka not belong on a list of 2015? Jordan and Gable did start in May. Asuka didn't make her debut till the summer. I was not excited about Jordan and Gable until recently, though. No, and I think that's fair. And I know Asuka also, you could argue, was only recent. The last quarter of the year, maybe. Asuka, however, I think gets points for being... We have never seen a female talent. I've never seen a female talent like her. I have seen good tag teams for the last 20 years. Correct. I love Jordan Gable, and I think they belong on other lists as well, but okay, take them off. Now, the question becomes, however, who wins? God. Asuka was going to be your winner, but I think you're now questioning that based on the duration of 2015. 
is I think is if twenty fifteen. I'm, I'm is, happy Oscar is on this list. I don't think she needs to win it. No. There's there's another category I'm thinking of. Oh yes, that I can think of where she's going to be a strong contender, where she might get a chance to have her day. <sighs> so I think what we're really talking about here is New Day versus Kevin Owens. Yes, and like I said, I did say 2015 was New Day's year. I don't, unless something changes. I don't think we're going to see anything better out of New Day than what we saw this year. I think you're, no, New Day has peaked. Now, that said, just because they've peaked, I don't think gives them an auto win over Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens had a strong year. Yes. And I think he's going to go on to have stronger years, but his year was very strong. Mm-hmm. But I think, and, and, and maybe it comes down, and maybe this is the wrong way of looking at it, if Kevin Owens is going to wrestle Ryback, I might not watch. They did wrestle each other, and it was an awesome match. You even said at the time but it I'm was not, a good match. But I'm saying, what Kevin Owens is doing has some effect on whether or not I'm going to get super excited about watching that. him. Okay, agreed. New Day, however... But hold on, we're talking about 2015. Think about everything Kevin Owens did in oh, 2015. If, if we're in talking, NXT, destroying Sami Zayn, which I think was right from, at the end of 2014. If we're talking from day one, January 1st to December 31st, the award goes to Kevin Owens. Because New Day, I'm fairly sure, again, let me look this up really quick, thank goodness for Chromebooks, is they... They didn't win the tag team title until Extreme Rules... 2015. They, you know... When was that? Next year was what month? Uh, May. Mm. You know, they were a team. They The vignettes for New Day began in November of 2014, but they weren't New Day until later. They didn't become... The New Day we know The New love. Day we know and love until somewhere into... 2015. So, if we're going with that... Kevin Owens that I am happy to give the award beating to Kevin John Owens. Cena in his debut match. Yes, is one of the single most exciting moments in wrestling history. Not 2015. I would argue ever to have someone come in. That would be like someone making their debut match and beating Hulk Hogan in the middle of the 80s. Somebody coming out from you know in the Attitude Era and beating Stone Cold Steve Austin cleanly. And we had never we, seen him before. Can we come to an agreement? Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens. Is the jam of 2015, New Day and Asuka, fine runners-up. New, New Day, close, close runner-up. I think we need to skip over, we need to skip around here, because if this is the most exciting jam of 2015, I think we need to go to the next, the logical opposite of that, the yin to their yang. One quick question. Sure. A little bit behind the scenes, some magic here, folks. Are we going to take a break for lunch? To be honest, we might have to take... I'm not sure how the misses are doing upstairs. They seemed fine. But we could... We're at the two-hour mark right now. We could pause right now. I think we I think we continue with this category. And then take a little break. Okay. okay. We'll take a break and we'll come back at some point this weekend. Maybe today. All right. This is the Where's the Remote channel changing. Now, should we, uh, should, this is a story or an angle. Do we need to change this category on the fly to the person? 
that makes you change the channel? I think, where's the remote? Can encompass anything. Okay. Person, storyline, whatever, what have you. Things that caused you to be so disinterested in what was happening on your television. Yep. That you said, oh God, I've got to change the channel right now. And and I think we need to add something to this list. Because here are the current things on the list. Um, Charlotte being aligned with Daddy Ric Flair. Uh, anytime Raw opens with an authority promo. Uh, the Divas Revolution after the first few weeks, which we've already talked about. Um, anything with Dana Brooke before Asuka arrived. Uh, we added uh, Alberto Del Rio and Zeb Coulter, the whole Max America thing. But I think we need to add something else on this list because if we're going to epitomize the where's the remote channel changing moment, you said it earlier on this show, there was a moment that literally caused you to stop watching wrestling. You didn't change the remote. You canceled a subscription <laughs> and went on to do other things with your life. It's true. That is the embodiment of this. So I have to add Reigns versus Bryan, because when Roman Reigns defeated Daniel Bryan, when was the next time you watched wrestling after that? Did you watch WrestleMania? I watched WrestleMania. But you stopped watching on the regular. I stopped watching Weekly Raw, and uh, I didn't continue watching Weekly Raws even right after WrestleMania for a couple months. I, I think months. when you started sitting down with me on a podcast was about when you started really following yes, along again. it was. All right, so we're talking about moments, you know, we could add talents, we could add the big show on this list, we could add other people on this list, but what are your thoughts? What was, what made you want to change the channel in 2015? What? What are you looking for? Oh, I'm just looking around. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm still talking. Reigns versus Brian did make me stop watching wrestling, but because I felt like the company didn't care what the fans wanted. That was maybe the trend more than any specific moment. It wasn't necessarily anything about Reigns versus Brian that led me to that. It was a general feeling of tone deafness coming from the management of WWE. Yeah. So I think that comes off the list for that reason. It okay. was a strong negative moment for me, I just but I don't know if it necessarily it really fits with this category. I thought it was worth mentioning. It is worth there was mentioning, literally for sure. There was literally something that happened this year that caused you to do other things with your time besides watch wrestling. Yeah. Charlotte and Ric Flair is terrible. We could also add, anytime Roman Reigns tries to be The Rock... I usually either oh, that's I, terrible. I usually mute the television or change the channel. Usually, mm. I mute it because I don't have channels per se. I don't pay for cable, so when I'm watching it on, I'm, that's when I turn, I switch windows and I don't watch the stream anymore. I go on to other things. So there's an odd tapping sound. Someone. <laughs> Mrs. Manson and Mrs. Matthews are upstairs using Morse code to let us know that they would like lunch because we've been at it for hours here. I know that's I, not them. I think that's my neighbor. Oh, okay. Well, whatever. I don't think it's coming up on the microphone, so you guys don't hear anything, I think. Uh, that's what they like about our show is that we take them inside podcasting. Okay, so... I, I think Del Rio with Zeb was bad. Max America was bad. Very bad. But 
it was mercifully short. I would I would go and with that. And it's over. The op- so... but again, we're looking at 2015 as a whole here. Yeah, but you know, opening promos with the authority are very hit and miss. When Vince McMahon comes out, I'm watching. Yep. When Stephanie and Triple H when it was when it was Steph and Trips and Kane and Big Show and Seth Rollins, unless J and J Security was with them, I wasn't watching. Those promos were awful. I I agree. I I could I could shorten this category to a single name. And what would that be? Or not category. I'm sorry. That, that that nominee to a single name. Stephanie McMahon. Okay, let's do that then. Um. I... Although her Vader-like slaps lately have gotten me yeah, more interested. those were all right. But when she opens her mouth... I'm feeling uncomfortable already and you haven't even finished your sentence. I'm going to cower... I in. look to change the channel. Oh, okay, good. Thank you. Whew, I was nervous there for a minute. She never has anything interesting to say. No. With the, maybe the exception of being when she brought out all the ladies for the start of the deal. But that wasn't the Stephanie McMahon character. That was Stephanie... No, it wasn't. That right. was Stephanie Mc... You know, they, they do this weird thing where sometimes they're the character and sometimes they're... The person. The, the executive, the true executive. All right. Um, Charlotte being aligned with Ric Flair has been awful, but it has also been short in comparison to the whole year. It's only been in the last month that that has happened. My... My issue with it is that I foresee it continuing until Ric Flair dies. <laughs> but again, it, it, if we're talking about if the last category was the jam of 2015, this is the where's the remote of 2015. The fact that this is happening into 2016 probably shouldn't make a difference in this particular category. Okay, so we'll just consider this because you'll see that there is a separate category for the Devil's Revolution. This latest permutation of yes. Charlotte could be considered but one factor within the Divas Revolution. Yes. So maybe we eliminate this nominee in favor of keeping Divas Revolution. I, again, and what's funny is we made a case for the Divas Revolution to be the best storyline. We made a case for it to be the worst storyline. In fact, it qualifies as a... You know, it's one of the top three runners-up here. But I do... Th- I. I I think moments of the Divas Revolution have made me change the channel probably more often than anything else on this list. Yeah. Del Rio and Coulter, I agree, is is small. You know, Roman Reigns trying to be The Rock is dumb. But when you consider the bigger trend of them pushing Roman Reigns the entire year... Because, again, this goes back to my Daniel Bryan thing. Yes. When I, why I stopped watching was because they were being tone deaf about Roman Reigns. He was not ready. Nobody wanted to see him in that position. But they were going to do it regardless of what yes. the fans thought. Yeah. So maybe more so than Roman being The Rock, which is a bad trend in and of itself. Excuse me. But I think maybe just his push in general made me want to change the channel mm-hmm. this year. I think if we looked at all of the 2015. He's had some great moments, don't get me wrong. But maybe Roman... Sometimes you have to have those highs for us to feel these lows. There were good parts of the Divas Revolution. There are good parts to Roman Reigns. So, now we're down to... I'm taking Dana Brooke off the list because 
just was she on the list? Anything with Dana Brooke before Oscar? <laughs> Let's arrived. just talk about Dana Brooke. I for slipped a that in there because she is Dana... again an impressive physical specimen in terms of you know she was a... so was Lex Luger. Yeah, she 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 was a bodybuilder. She's got some muscles. She has a good athletic look to her. Like she looks like she could be a powerhouse, and she is one of the greenest wrestlers in wrestling today. Yep, she cannot speak. And she has no... It's so strange, because normally those bodybuilding types... Like, think about Arnold Schwarzenegger, Terminator, Terminator 2. Like, think about physical charisma. He had it. She has none. None! I'm going to take a moment to defend Dana Brooke, which it shows you that we've been podcasting too long, that I am at the exhaustion point where I'm defending Dana Brooke. Um, Dana Brooke is not a wrestler. And I think she's the first to admit... I saw her in Breaking Ground she annoyed me, but that's fine. She knows she's not a wrestler. She's a bodybuilder who is going into wrestling, just like Baron Corbin was a football player who's going into wrestling. This is the problem with NXT, is that you have these talents who are truly developing alongside Asuka or Finn Balor or any of these people who've been wrestling for 10 years. And you have to... you You are forced to consider them on the same set of criteria because they're both in NXT. So I give her a pass in the sense that she is very green and learning all of this stuff. That doesn't make me like her, but at least I understand why... She had a good match with Asuka. Some of the stuff that's been going on with Emma afterwards has also been okay. I will take her off the list for that. Yeah. Um, But... She's, She's not, got some work to do. I, I still don't enjoy her. And even being paired with Emma, I don't enjoy them particularly. A, a lot of people like Emma. I, I don't, but that's okay. Um, so we've got the Divas Revolution, we've got Stephanie McMahon, and we've got Roman's Booking. Those are the three? These are the three. Th- we're down to three for the Where's the Remote channel-changing story So I just angle. want to take a moment here. I know you want to get through it, but... What about The Miz? What about The Big Show? What about all these guys well, that people are constantly saying... Oh, they're so boring. You're not going to get me on the Miz train. The Miz train is, in fact, one of the more entertaining parts of professional wrestling right now and has been for much of 2015. I could put the big show on this list because, you know, he's coming out his whole gimmick in the same way that they're kind of going with these things. His whole gimmick right now is that people want him to retire and so he's not going to. He has, right now... X-Pac heat. People just want him to go away. I might be, you know, going against the grain here, but I like the big show. I still like the big show. I think his his matches, the fact that a guy in his 40s who is the size that he is and has been wrestling for as long as he is, to be adding new moves to your repertoire, like the Haas of Pain, like whatever that stumble to the second rope and do a somersault kind of thing. I like the Big Show as well, but I can understand when he comes out, especially in moments like on Miz TV when all these other guys came out, and then the Big Show came out, and you knew what was going to happen, I was tempted to stop watching. Yeah, fair enough. He does make me reach for the remote. Maybe I don't grab it, but I reach for it when he comes out. Um, So I could put him on here too, but I reach for the remote far more 
for these other things in 2015 okay. that I did for Just him. wanted to give them a moment to have those grievances aired. That's all. Some people would probably put Kane on that list, too. But <laughs> the whole corporate Kane thing... Is, I thought it was gold. When that's the best storyline of 2015... Was that guy in Office Space again? The the boss in Office Space with the mug? Gary Cole? Well, the character name. name. Yeah. I don't remember his name. That's what he, Anyways, that's what he was challenging for me the entire year. And... Uh, Lumberg, that was it. Okay. Bill Lumberg. Yeah. Uh, it was just so good. It was so good. So, what is the moment? Stephanie McMahon, the Divas Revolution, or the long-term full booking of Roman Reigns in 2015? Which one would you give the award to right now, Doc Manson? Roman Reigns. I'd give it to Stephanie. Yeah. Start to finish, Stephanie McMahon made me not want to watch wrestling when she's on TV. Roman Reigns had enough moments that I liked where I wouldn't go with him. Roman Reigns made me stop watching wrestling for three months. I'm aware of that. And that's why we we talked. I put him down. Then you told me to cross him off the list, and now you put him back on the list, yeah. and now you're voting for him. I'm going all over the place, aren't you I? You are. All right. Uh, so we'll take Divas Revolution will be our second runner-up. For sure. So... And you know what? Because... Stephanie Roman. Stephanie Roman. Here's the thing. Roman did make me stop watch wrestling. There are things that Roman Reigns does that I enjoy. There is nothing that Stephanie McMahon does that I enjoy. Unless she's slapping people, I don't watch Stephanie McMahon. I will watch Did you watch Raw this week? Did you see the the booking of Vince McMahon being arrested? Yes, I was so confused by that cuz it hap I you know, he fell down, he wasn't shoved, he like pretended to fall down and then he got hurt and then Stephanie Dad! Dad! Just her voice makes that's me want she, to not watch that's wrestling. She, that's why she gets my vote. It's 8 o'clock. Raw is just starting. And that's the first thing that comes on my television? Yeah. Ugh. The winner. Stephanie McMahon. Channel-changing talent of the year. Roman Reigns booking does earn qualifications. Hopefully 2016 will be better. The Divas Revolution in its crappy parts. Again, Roman and the Divas both had some highs. So that's the only reason I think why we recognize the depths of the lows. Yes. Yes. All right. That said, we, I think that brings us to the end of part one of the DDT Awards. Yes. We are done with part one. We have gotten through, let's see, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine categories. There are only one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, eleven or twelve to go. So, <laughs> really, you know. I think we're finding our stride, though. By Thursday, we'll be done. Absolutely. So, um, we'll be back with part two probably right after you finish us ending part one. Who knows how long it'll be for us. Uh, But until then, uh, goodbye. I'm Doc Manson, at Doc Manson on Twitter. Are we we honestly doing this in two different parts? Like we're going to release them separately, or am I going to put them all together into one mega (laughs) podcast? I think think it could be separate pods. Okay, there we go then. In which case, uh, part one of the DDT Awards is over. Uh, We'll do part two probably later this weekend. Oh, we're doing it today. We might do it today, and then we might even do the NAI 150. Today. Oh, I'm never leaving this house. Tell my mother I love her. He's at DC Matthews NAI. I'm at Doc Manson. The email address, if you want to get your comments in, is ddtwrestling at gmail.com. 
We'll be back with part two before you know it. We're ghosts. That's that's not quite it. But. That's not what it is. <laughs> okay.